Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Talking Comics Podcast. It's Wednesday, October the 5th, 2022, Mm. and you're listening to episode number 567. I am your host, Steve Say, and joining me for this week's show are Mr. Bob Ryer. I shouldn't help in my pajamas. How I got my pajamas, I don't know. Happy birthday to Groucho Marx and my mom. Hey, happy birthday. Aaron Amos is here. I got nothing to follow up with that, but hey. (laughs) Uh, John Burkle has graced us with his presence this evening. Two weeks in a row. Here we go. Woo-hoo! It's, a, it's Woo-hoo! a new trend. And Chris Carey is also here. Finally revealing that I actually am Damian Wayne in a trench coat. Who are the other two people? <laughs> it's John and uh, who else do I have under here? <laughs> it's always three. It, it's well. It's John because he's he's grown now, so it's just John, and I'm on his shoulders. Somebody give me a sock and a potato. <laughs> oh, Aaron! <laughs> my my, I'll take that kid saucy. Out. <laughs> I'll take that kid out. <laughs> Welcome to the show, everybody. We are back. We're back here to talk with you about some comics. Uh, we've got lightning rounds. We've got some news items floating around. A couple of cool stories. Uh, what else? Listener questions. Listener questions. Thank you. I lost my spot. I'm telling you, I'm having audio issues this week, people, and it is um, it's throwing off my gate. I don't know what to do with myself. <laughs> Help me. I'm drowning. Um, we're also going to talk about New York City Comic Con because the time has come for people to gather in New York City. Uh, Chris and I are having severe FOMO for this event. I'm sure John is too, to an extent. Uh, I am. <laughs> he wow. doesn't sound like it. Sounds like, oh, okay. <laughs> I've, ne- I've never been, so I don't know. Oh, the, like, oh really? I've never, no, I've only, the furthest I've been, I've been to San Diego and I've been to uh, uh, Chicago go. when they used to do Wizard World, but I've never been to New York. Um, so I'm, I'm, I wish I could be there, especially with Aaron's excitement. Uh, just it's 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 just not in the works so i'm i'm gonna live vicariously through everything that aaron posts over the weekend and he's got to ask my questions to that dc panel (laughs) i'm coming in hot yeah Uh, if you're doing if you're being the messenger aaron and i hope they don't you know kill the messenger you can you take some questions to donny cates (laughs) <laughs> just, just say. Listen, I don't want to get hit in the head with a potato. Okay. Gotcha, gotcha. What are you? So both Aaron and Bob are going to be there. Um, Joey may might show up. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's yeah, possibly. He and okay. he and he he's got things going on, but you know, we'll see. We'll see. 
We're at least well, going to meet him. We're gonna and meet him. Uh, Melissa Megan and Professor Carolyn Coca. Yeah. And we have Max. some listeners coming in. Oh, that's right. Max is coming too. Max is now, 30? I think, fully. He's thirty. No, he's <laughs> he's fully able to, I think, take it in as opposed to just being a little kid looking around. Oh, he's now, a pro. He goes to he's all those horror right. cons and right. everything. So I think he's he's all good for the 300,000 people that are going to be there. Yeah, he's excited. He's mm. excited. Oh, that's awesome. That's I forgot. Really cool. Melissa said he got a... Oh, he got a uh, Moon Knight costume. Aww. Oh, Perfect. Sorry. Yeah. yeah that's I couldn't remember what it was. So where are you both? Where are you going to be? What are you looking forward to? What is... Uh, what's the deal? You know... From my perspective, it's twofold. One is just I'm excited to just go and be in that space um, because I I've, have yeah. enjoyed it every single year. I don't think I've missed a year uh, since my first time. Um, and, you know, although I really enjoyed going last year, it was a smaller version of it. You know, obviously we, they were testing the waters and you didn't have the big two there. You didn't have, you know, a lot of the, you know, celebrity guests and all that stuff there. There was a return. I do remember us talking about this, a return to a focus on um, creators. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, the, the smaller creators, and they got a lot more uh, FaceTime uh, and, and time to talk to people as opposed to everyone standing in line, you know, for 45 minutes to an hour to see Scott Snyder. Um but a lot of that stuff is returning this year. Um, you know, things like Midtown Comics is going to be back there. And they, they weren't there last year. And they usually take up like half the floor. Half the middle um, of the floor is Midtown Comics, yes. Yeah, exactly. You got, you know, DC and Marvel showing up. You got major creators from both uh, showing up to participate in panels. It seems like there is a... Um, I don't know, at least from what I could see on the app, there's an increased number of at least advertised um, LGBTQIA uh, panels Mm -hmm. there that I'm very excited about. Um, Just, you know, first looks at, you know, things that we're all excited to see on Amazon and Netflix and all that stuff. Just there's a lot of that stuff that I really missed. I, I, I really enjoyed when, you know, in the past when you'd walk in, there'd be some new um, DC animated universe uh, full length movie coming out, and you know you'd walk in thinking you were just going to talk to the voice cast, and they'd surprise you and show the entire film, you know, and then the voice cast would come out. Yeah. It was just those things were just awesome, just to be in that space, and then just to be able to walk the floor and see, um, you know, vendors who this is a portion of their bread and butter, you know, cons, you know, being able to come here and get rid of you know, some, some, some of their, their stock and get rid of, you know, things that are like rare. Um, this is a good portion of their income and to be able to support them, you know, even if I know I'm just going to take it and put it on a show somewhere, just knowing that I have given them money because they have many cases have traveled across the country mm-hmm. to be in that space. So I'm excited to just do all of that. They just take my money. That's all I'm saying. Just take my money. I'm excited for all of it. And last but not least, I get to be in the same room as my people, my Bob and Carolyn and Joey. Amen. Amen. So, so that's that. I mean, that that's that's the height of it. It is the camaraderie, and it's the close friends we have. It's the close friends and family we've made. There are people coming from all over. Hi, Chris. Not you, Chris, but Chris from Australia, who's, who's <laughs> no, coming just, in. 
still FOMOing it. It's fine. Okay. <laughs> Who's coming in just, he's coming in for the con, but as much of the con experience for him is it's the talking comics meetups, which I'll throw it out there. As of right now, we're looking probably 730-ish at the Algonquin Hotel on 44th Street. Look it up. You'll love it. Uh, great cocktails, home of the Algonquin Round Table from the 20s and 30s of Dorothy Parker, Robert Benchley, the Marx Brothers, Cal- George Kaufman, so on and so forth. Um, and it's the friends you don't know you have until you're in a room with thousands of people who, if they don't share your exact interest, share the whole nerd culture. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until cons that I was the kid when I was 10, 11, 12 years old, would bring my comics and famous monsters on the school bus. And it was kind of like a weird thing. There'd be one or two other people into it, maybe. And the first time you go to a con and it's a whole room full of me. Uh And you realize you're you're not alone. And you can strike up a conversation with anyone in New York. There are 50,000 people in this building, not, not exaggerating much. Yeah. All there for the same reason. Maybe not the same niche, but all the same reason. There are no morons in this group. The NYCC has made sure they have posted all sorts of signs. If you do cosplay is not consent and don't do this, don't do that. You you can report this to someone. This is the safest space imaginable. And the amount of people in there are, it's probably bigger than the population of Rhode Island. I'm just saying. It, it really, I think the the last time I actually heard a number, I think it was creeping up on exceeding uh, uh, SDCC. I yeah. know there were at least 150,000 people. Yeah. No, I think they crossed two. I really think yeah. they crossed two. So, yeah, he's not he's not kidding. And the other thing, I will say this, that makes, I think, NYCC a little bit more. I've been to uh, SDCC. I went once. Um, so just to give you some comparison, the thing that makes, I think, NYCC a little bit more special for me is SDCC was great, but it was self-contained. It was in a part of San, Fran- uh, San Diego that was specifically catered to this event. It, it was clear that all the hotels in that block near the convention center and everything around it were, were shifted their aesthetic for this event. But it was like a little village, and then once you left that village, it was like a long bus ride or something back to your hotel or wherever, et cetera. You can walk out of New York Comic Con, and you're in New York. <laughs> yeah. Just turn left and go here, turn right and go there, and do all the other things. Like, you know, find some of the best food, you know, wherever. In, I'm a in, chauvinist. New York City might be the most multicultural city on the planet. It, yeah. It's, it's, you know, you'll see people walking up and down the street. That's the other thing, no matter where you are. And we've done this. I've gone up and downtown after coming to NYCC. You'll still see people with their badges on, you know. Best thing to do, best thing like this, Aaron, I I take the train in most of the time. So you come out of Penn Station. Yep. And you walk onto 34th Street, which, uh, which goes east and west, and you're heading over toward the Javits Center where the con is. It's a parade of cosplayers. Yep. Yep. It is incredible. You don't need to know where the con is. Just follow. Just yep. follow along. Find there a Spider-Man have, and go left. That's all you got to do. There have been times, a couple of years, where I show up on Friday. And when I come out of Penn because I'm in D.C., so I take the train. When I come out of Penn Station, you do see that. But I still have to get to my hotel and check in. So I'm yeah, like right. doing like a light jog, dragging my suitcase. <laughs> yes. 
down the street trying to get to my hotel because I'm like, I got to get in there. I got to get in there. I got to go where all the people are going. I got to follow the people. You know, it's just sort of like that little bit of excitement. And again, it is New York. I I love coming in as early as I can on Saturday because on 34th Street on, I think it's between 8th and 9th Avenue, there's the Moonlight Diner. Yes. Right? It's a diner diner with silver walls and a crabby guy behind the counter. And they, they have a sign up. They serve more coffee than anyone in New York. Yeah, it's like right across from the CVS. I think. Yes. Like, yes. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, believe me, I've eaten there quite a bit. Yeah. You get <laughs> yourself an omelet and some some slightly burned toast and a good cup of coffee. <laughs> I, I, I lead into the patty melt for some reason. Okay. Even oh, early. That's just a thing. Uh, now, so. uh, anyone you're looking to see, Aaron? So there's a couple of people that I really, really want to 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 see. There is. Um, oh crap! I have my whole list there. So Olivia Quay Paul is actually going to be there this year. Um, there you go. So um, I might check that out. There are oh, – you're going to make me think that. I'm like dumbing well, up. Olivier, so Olivier is going to be there. So there <laughs> – so, Just okay. saying. Just saying. Well, here's that. Just that. So um, I'm trying to figure out who – I'm dumbing up. I can't think of all the people. Oh, so C.B. Sabolsky is going to be there. I kind of want to see – I think he is – taking over the remember what used to be cup of joe cup of joe right mm-hmm. so i think he's doing that so i'm actually kind of excited to see that um there are um oh my gosh there's a couple others that i saw that were like that uh, i can't remember but there's 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 so many people there i've made a whole list i went into the app and literally spent like two hours mm-hmm. creating my list and then forcing it upon the the, <laughs> the <Yeah>. chat <laughs> so that the chat could see you know what I was doing, um, but no. Um, so now I feel bad because I feel like we just shoved it in Chris in a in Steve's face for the last. Oh, like it's okay. There are some things that are beyond me because I'm not big on spending three hundred dollars to get a picture taken with somebody. Yeah. So, but there, if if you want to do that, if that's your thing, boy, this is a con to do that. There are all sorts of people from across the board: television, movies. Sebastian Stan, Frank Miller, Oscar Isaac, Tyler Hoechlin, Cassandra Peterson, Elvira, yep. Mistress of the Dark. Oh, Jim Lee's doing a panel, uh, an evening with Jim Lee. I'm, so, I'm curious yeah. to see how that's going to go. Uh, so yeah, it's going to be yeah. There's a bunch of people there. I'm, it's going to be exciting to sort of yeah. see it. Um, I, I'm big on Artist Alley always. That's usually when I come in on Thursday, that'll be the first place I'd hit to try to catch some stuff. So coming in on Saturday is a little different, but. Uh, Steve, you'll you'll remember this. The Katie Cook Corner is back. Oh man! Yeah, she wasn't wasn't there last time around. But uh, Katie Cook, My Little Pony, a lot of other things like that, sits at at this wonderful corner with I think it's her sister. And for it's five dollars for the little ones, ten or fifteen for something bigger. We'll do a commission on a on a little note card. Of anything you want, and Steve did the best one ever. You you explain how you asked her for this, please. Oh, the one that I got for Bronwyn. Yes, it's it's the greatest thing ever, and she thought so too. Um, Bronwyn is well was I should say a very big proponent of Diet Coke, and she loves Black Widow. So I have art of. Black Widow basically sabotaging a Pepsi factory and walking away from it as it's, as it's exploding, right? Uh, sipping on a Coke. It's That's insane. Pretty and amazing for, for, for five bucks, right, or whatever. Ten bucks is it? Yeah, yeah it was like yeah, yeah it was like ten dollars. Yeah. Uh, so she'll be back. So that's always. Uh, and I I do a lot of Christmas shopping at the con, 
have to get my list together. So hitting the oh, Katie yeah. Cook table is always mm-hmm. great. Uh, Joel Jones is going to be there. There's we, a Wakanda panel. There's a mm-hmm. oh, the Marvel Voices panel looks amazing. Um, yes. I forgot about that one. Um, so I'm going to definitely check that one out. Um, there's a world premiere of the <laughs> Batman and Robin uh, film. Uh, Batman, I'm um, sorry, Batman and Superman, Battle of the Super Sons, rather. That so that's going to be a, a thing. There's a panel for um, the Lord of the Rings show that I tried to get into, but they sold out. So I'm going to try to bogart my way in there. But you know, just different things of that nature. Do it. Dress like a hobbit. They can't yeah. stop a hobbit. That'd be against yeah. theme. I'm going to absolutely <laughs> gonna just bogart my way in there. So yeah, we'll see. You Bilbo your way in there. Come on. <laughs> With the current show, just dress like an elf. They get to go everywhere. That's well. I don't know. Have you seen the middle episodes? There, it I'm went badly. Episode four. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say you can't just go anywhere. <laughs> okay, I take that back. <laughs> <laughs> There's at least one place where you will suffer the racism. So. Oh no! Okay, <laughs> let's not let's not Bogart NYCC talk. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I hadn't spaced in until we said Lord of the Rings. Keep going. <laughs> uh, for uh, for our listeners who might be interested, lots of friends of the pod will be there this time around. Caitlin Yarsky, who I've never got to meet in person. Oh, Caitlin, I'm going to be mentioning her later in the show. There you go. Uh, of course, Kristen Gudsnock has mm-hmm. a table. We have David Pepos there as well, among all these other folks. Terry Dodson and Dan Mora. Amanda That's Connor right. He's and, in another and Jimmy Palmiotti, yeah. Alex Maleev. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Um, is Jimmy Palmiotti going to be there? Yes, he is. He's Amanda in the table Connor. next to Amanda's, unless he canceled. Can I get out of Florida? Today. Yeah, all he, that too. Mm, I'll have to look. I think he was having some uh, COVID-related issues. Okay. Well, hope he feels better. Man. Hope he's there. Yeah. Ben Percy. Wolverine going to be there. Yeah, <laughs> again, I will never forget. I think Joey and I nearly pissed ourselves when he started talking at the last panel. We're like, is this for real? It's like, is that really how he talks? Uh, Brian Azzarello is going to be there. I'm Scott Snyder is there, of course. Yeah, I wonder if course. they have that whole Batman corner. Tom King's going to be there. They have that yeah. whole area of just bat yeah. stuff. That's usually where everyone sort of lines up. And just sort of you, you basically have to figure out how to get around that line to get to anything else. So Charles uh, Soule. Mm-hmm. Chris Claremont, Great. of course. Of course. But yeah. Ooh, so we we had we had we had an interesting experience with Chris Claremont way back in our early days. Back when we were actually recording episodes at the con, off in a corner somewhere <laughs> in a concrete wall with lots of echo. Uh, Chris, so, Chris, we we asked him on a Thursday. Would you, would you like to come on the show? Uh, talk to my assistant. Okay, Bobby and I did. Never got back to us until I don't know eleven thirty on Saturday night. How's ten o'clock tomorrow morning? Oh, <laughs> okay, sure. Thankfully, I had done some prep, but it's, oh god, <laughs> on t- on two hours sleep basically after getting the train home and then the train back. And he was so gracious and so wonderful. We had a great time. Oh, yay. Yeah. 
I think I asked the right opening question. My researcher told me he had come into New York to be an actor. Really? Yep. So I can I, see him giving good monologues based on the ones that he wrote. Yes. <laughs> so I figured I'll go all James Lipton. So how did X-Men come into your life? <laughs> and he got this big smile on his face. It's like, oh, I, I think I won this one. I'm in good shape from here on in. So, so the gist of it is we're very excited. We are, can can tell. you tell? Yes. yes. <laughs> uh, and I would also like to put it out there that I am making my way back in Jimmy Palmiotti's Twitter feed and do not see anything about COVID. He has a NYCC booth uh, label on here. So I am probably thinking of a different creator and I apologize for the confusion. Hmm. Um, I will, I will, I will pass that along in person when I see it. I'm just firing on all cylinders this episode. This is my best <laughs> you don't, one you don't need all of them. You don't need them all. No. Just let it go. Five Live your life a quarter. <laughs> Live Let your life a quarter like mile jealousy. of a time. <laughs> Let it go like my jealousy for this NYCC shenanigans. <laughs> I really am so happy for all of you. Yeah, I'm, really cool. I'm dying over here because you all are going and TJ is going. So I'm hearing about it on all ends at the moment. <laughs> I'm like, cool. <laughs> Pass along to TJ the Algonquin meetup. I will. I'll right. do that. Right. You know what? We'll we'll make our own Comic-Con. Okay. Chris, you, okay. Me and Bronwyn and a couple of other people will will have our own thing. <laughs> a whole convention just yeah. us. <laughs> I'll do a signing. It'll be great. Everybody will be there. I'll do a panel, but like it's when, just me. Is this like when your mom won't take you to McDonald's but instead yeah. makes a burger at home? Uh-huh. On, on, a, on a, a piece of white bread with the crust cut mm-hmm. off or something. Yeah, it's like, right. oh, that's not a burger, mom. I'm, this is just as good. <laughs> I'm just setting up a Lucy from Peanuts, you know the free th- the therapy book that she has, but Five it just cents. says uh, it just says comics panel. <laughs> Five cents. <laughs> all right, who wants to? Speaking of all all this comic book talk, who wants to talk about some comics? Yay! Why not? Since we're here, <laughs> if you insist. Yes, I do. Um, anybody want to jump in, volunteer? Yeah, I'll get it out of the way. All right. <laughs> That's the spirit. I'm so excited. <laughs> I have my notes of clothes for some reason. Oh, there they are. So I have two books um, <gasps> that I wanted to talk about. One, because it looked really cool and it was new. And the other one, because I just wanted to be a part of wrapping that up and the joy that it was. So the first one is an image book called Flawed. Uh, it's by Chuck Brown, not that Chuck Brown, uh, and Prenzy. That's the name of the artist, Prenzy. Uh, it's an image number one. So there's a main character. Her name is Jen. You open up this book and you hear her sort of giving a little bit of a monologue uh, you know, about good and evil and how it exists in the city. And the city was built on you know, oppression and, and, and anger and, and lies and cheating and slavery and all that stuff. So you're thinking, oh, this is a happy book. must be Disney. <laughs> and so you lean into the first scene being her acting as a therapist, I guess, um, they, although they don't really ever say it, to someone who it looks like she's trying to do some grief counseling, having lost her daughter to a murder. Uh, and it turns out that there has been someone murdering little girls, you know, in the city and the police don't seem to be doing anything about it. And so she's trying to help her figure out how to 
deal with what she can't control and move on. Uh, she leaves. Jem's on her own. Her assistant comes in. Jen's like, oh, we're about to fuck this up. And then <laughs> goes into her back room, filled with weapons and guns. And next scene, you have Jem whooping ass. Because she has figured out who this person is, who they are. And she goes there and she shuts them down. It just goes from zero to 60 amazingly, super fast. Um, and you really, see, I, I don't, there's no explanation as to how we go from this therapist to this, I don't know what this is. This woman who's just like breaking jaws and putting knives through people's eyeballs and, you know, putting knives through the tops of their heads and all that stuff. And basically, be, and she's just like, I need to make a, a point. I need to make this visual because I need anyone who thinks that they're going to come here and kidnap and murder little girls know this is what's going to happen to you. So she tries to finish off the last individual, um, and he keeps screaming, and it seems a little weird. He keeps screaming, please, 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 it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt. And she's like, you're damn right it's going to hurt. Shoots him through the head, but he doesn't die. He's in pain, but he doesn't die. And so we go on this little journey now of figuring out what the hell is going on, why this individual is so important, and what's coming next. It all happened so fast. I swear it seemed like I was reading for like five minutes before the, not even five, like two minutes before the book was over. It's a full length book, but the scenes were just moving so fast. When it got to that final page, I was just like, oh, this must be one of those internal ads or something. And then they're going to pick up the story on the other end. And I was like, oh no, that's the end. All right. I guess we're going to come to the next <laughs> one. Very fast paced, went straight into it. Here's what I really loved. The first faces you see are all faces of color. Um, and I love that. The main character is a woman of color. And I love that. Um, the art, I really think, flows really, really well. It's sort of done with these thick, deep lines around them. So it's sort of like everything is really planted on the page. The colors are great. Um, the perspective is great. It, it does feel as though it's almost three-dimensional in some pages. So I really, really enjoyed that. I don't know got me really like hyped and excited and I don't even know what exactly is supposed to happen, but it's, it was there. So that's what happened there. Next book. Uh, pour one out. It is over. Oh no. Uh, Justice, Justice Aww. League versus Legion of Superheroes. Number six, Brian Michael Bendis, Guy Godleski. You may remember, I don't know if it was all three of us or it was just Joey and myself, but we were talking about that last issue where, you know, the, the great darkness is identified and how it for the second time, the justice league was smited <laughs> burned <laughs> off the page. Essentially. Um, it picks up, you know, kind of where you expect is a sort of an, an unexpected scene of in the old West and Batman's tied up and, that the great the, the holder of the great darkness I don't want to spoil but the holder of the great darkness is in there in charge and lording over everyone and basically saying I've done this thing where you know I have managed to erase you all from existence you do not exist you're done you're blah 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 I, you've been a thorn in my side I can never figure out why you know I can never beat you so I've traveled back and forth and here and there through time and I've finally done it you never existed and I'm just going to sit here and do blah 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 and then the best scene ever happens. <laughs> um, and the the combined Justice League and Legion of Superheroes do what? Do what they do. And it was just this cavalcade of splash pages that any one of them would be a print that I would love to put on my wall. 
Um, just beautiful. That Scott Godlowski art was just amazing. <laughs> the 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 turning points in the story were just so satisfying. So that sort of aha is this what you think? Nope, not quite. Not exactly <laughs> what you think. It was just such a good. I do. It, it felt a little bit like it was quick, but we understand. We understand what was behind it. It was just, regardless of the fact that it seemed quick, the story, it answered all the questions. Um, it, there was never a versus in there, to be honest with you. So I don't know why it was, was just, just going to yeah. There never was a versus. There was more like a team up. It drew everything back together. It answered all the questions. It, it, it honored both teams. I think it probably honored the Legion of Superheroes a little bit more than it did the Justice League, which I was okay with because I wanted them. Mm-hmm. There's so much Justice League everywhere else. I wanted them to have that space. I just really like this as a self-contained, and I really would love to see this, you know, as a – I would actually probably buy this and read this again all in one sitting because I just loved these characters. This is taking up a space next to um, World's Finest for me. Because it's mm-hmm. outside of all of that other stuff in some ways. And it's when I say that, I don't just mean in terms of the story. I mean in terms of the look, in terms of the feel. It, it's not a DC house style. It's not a – it's just – it was just a good old-fashioned fun, good old superhero fun. It, I just copy and paste what I said last time about World's Finest, and uh, I think it applies here <laughs> as well. I will miss some of Bendis's hand in – the DC universe. I, like I said, you all know I love Young Justice and I, I love Legion of Superheroes and I loved this. And yeah, sad to see it go. It was a nice wrap up. My favorite line I'm smarter than you. That was my favorite line. I'm smarter than you. Uh, it was just the way it was delivered <laughs> was just great. The person who delivered it was just great. So yeah, um, that's it. Go, John. Oh, I, I you've taken everything I, I was going to say. It, it's this is a fitting conclusion to both Bendis's Justice League and Bendis's Legion of Superheroes, which was a phenomenal twelve issues with with Ryan Sook on art. The mm-hmm. art here is just amazing. Um, the big reveal w- was awesome, and then <laughs> it's almost <laughs> like one of those, um, like in the Mission Impossible, where they they, they do the the fake yeah. out and then they pull like all the, the things aside and they're all just there. And yeah, the I'm, I'm smart. The mask you off <laughs> was so good. And then the, the wrap up the conclusion, it really felt like a, like Bendis's swan song goodbye. Yeah. And this is definitely something I would love to see in a collected form. And, and I would gladly put this mm-hmm. on my, on my shelf next to world's finest and all these other, great sidebar things that DC is doing. But yeah, this was, this was perfect. This was a perfect mini series other than the fact it should have been justice league and the Legion of superheroes (laughs) versus the Legion of superheroes editorial control. (laughs) There was just never a point. I mean, they, they maybe said some tense words to each other once. Yeah. I think one time (laughs) uh, a ultra boy said something and it was like, no, we're not going to do that. Okay. And that was it. And (laughs) it was the most verse there was. So I don't know what that was all about, but yeah. <laughs> I bet you they so, mocked up covers and when they passed it through marketing versus sold a lot more than end. Probably. <laughs> sure. Probably. Bob, I, I don't know why it is, but whenever I'm reading something, I ask if it passes the Bob test. <laughs> like, will Bob want to see this? I think this, I think you would love to read that. If you were going back and forth between this and world's finest, I think you'd be in heaven. Uh, yeah. I'm loving world's finest. So 
there you go. A, a year and a half from now, it'll be out in the trade. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> also, go back and read that Justice League annual by Bendis and Sanford Green. That was Ooh, love Sanford Green. That I love Sanford Green. The, oh, oh, that was a great annual. That was a the epitome of what an annual is supposed to be, and this is the epitome of what a miniseries is supposed to be. Cool. Yeah. They should actually put that in the beginning of the collection for this. <laughs> well, they won't. DC, listen. Yeah. <laughs> I like are you listening. John Burkle of Talking Comics says. <laughs> oh, Put it together. A front, a front blurb. Oh, that'd be awesome. Guess who's going to be at NYCC? Mm. I've already given you your opening question. <laughs> Sanford Green. like this. What's this going is? on? Sanford Green is there. <laughs> oh, as, as, be there? As, as we talk and I sit in my kitchen, there is a print of Power Man and Iron Fist. Oh, that's one of my favorite comics of all time. By yeah, Sanford Green, it. signed by yes. him. And not only that, it has word balloons that have been filled in by David F. Walker. Uh, where, we don't want no fiddle faddle. We don't yeah. take no fiddle faddle. Right there. I right. have it signed by them, too. They came to Baltimore Comic Con one year. I love them so much. Is Bitterroot over? Uh, or is it just those, on hiatus? It's one of those image books that will just reappear one day. Yeah. <laughs> Just comes and goes. It no, does. I believe it. That's yeah. that's pretty much how it's been in the past. I just wasn't sure if maybe I, I had some, blacked out or something. I think sometimes those creators they do the image book and then they go back to DC or Marvel and get get a paycheck and some notoriety and then they go back to their image book. That seems to be the like the Sorrentino and Lemire method of of comic creating. So. Hmm. Mm-hmm. It's one way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, flawed number one looks awesome, Aaron. I uh, I purchased it while you were. <laughs> it's, <all good> <laughs> it. <laughs> it's good. I just it, the cover it, is what got me, and I just went through it. And I'm like, Ooh. Steve, is this, a po- is this a podcast or is this your own home shopping network? Be honest. It's both. <laughs> Look, in all fairness, I had all intentions of picking this up. Mm-hmm. I had seen it before, but didn't know that it came out. And then mm-hmm. I looked at the art because I wanted to have something to talk about with Aaron. And then I was like, oh, right. And then, oh, look, there's my iPad. It's right there. Oh, look, it's opening. <laughs> oh, no. And then I, then I bought it. I would have just Good bought stuff. it tomorrow. So I just bought it now. I enjoyed it. Again, it went so fast because I was just like, ooh, she is wrecking shop. There was quite a few pages of her wrecking shop. So- I'm looking forward to reading this. It looks awesome. I really dig the color palette of these uh, these sample pages that I was looking at. It's good stuff. It, yeah, Speaking it, of yeah. good stuff, okay. yeah. <laughs> Who were you segueing to, Steve? I don't know. I <laughs> this episode. I'm gonna have to edit around so much bullshit. No. And it's all my bullshit. It was a good. It was a good segue that you oh, then no, did. Not not. The <laughs> I'm off my game. My I'll audio, go. I'll my go. Audio screwed up. Help me. Okay, I'll go. So I, I did notice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I did. Like last time, I did notice that there were less issues this time. So I was like, I'll just do more and faster. So we have lots of stuff to talk about. <laughs> uh, first off, Tim Drake is back. I, oh, my God. <laughs> so Tim Drake Robin by Megan Fitzmartin. I did not write down who did the art. 
Riley Rossmo. Thank you. Um, is is here, and I am beside myself. I could talk about this easily alone for an hour, and probably will on on uh, go at some point. But I loved it. <laughs> I, I said I was skeptical last time because I felt like she was holding back, and I think she was, and now she isn't. And I am so here for it. I'm loving the little. Little balloons of, of hearts that pop up around his face every time he looks at Bernard. I loved his so Tim Drake like overthinking of he's my boyfriend, right? The waiter said he's my boyfriend. Is he my boyfriend? How do I calculate this? Amazing, love it. Um, I love everything about it. I love his little like community he's formed at the docks. Trying to make it on his own is so adorable. I, just, I don't know. I just loved everything about he's living it. Living on a boat. I love it. He's living on a boat. And he's like, oh, I don't know. It's just I'm obsessed with it. I love that um, there were some really cute references to his interactions with his brothers. There's an <laughs> adorable line about him and Damien that slayed me. Um <laughs> Is it too much of a spoiler to say it? Probably no, not, right? It. Okay, so <laughs> he he says he's so happy because he's in love with Bernard that Damien held a knife to his throat and was like, where's the real Tim? <laughs> I died. I could picture it so perfectly. <laughs> it was just minute to minute good. I love that they're leaning into Tim Drake detective. They've got him with the like Sherlock TV show, like seeing it all in his head, playing out. I love it. I love everything about it. It was amazing. Ugh, okay. I forgot I had other things to talk about. I literally got so excited. Um, <laughs> so... Other than that, I have been living in my uh, month of horror, mystery, and monster fucker. Um, and on Webtoons, I've been reading Bloodstain, yeah. which is, oh my god, Bob, it's so good. Bloodstain is like a slice of life story if you ended up working for a mad scientist. Um, yes. <laughs> right? It's, it's about a young woman who, in this economy, cannot find a job because she is so classically bad at holding any normal quote-unquote normal jobs and so (laughs) she's she's honestly terrible at holding down a job it's it's hilarious Uh, but she sees this really shady ad for a really strange job that involves her moving into the house of her uh, scientist employer who wants like a full live-in science assistant and she's like i'm either gonna get the paycheck or get murdered but at this point in this economy we go for it <laughs> and <laughs> he ends up being this like literally blood-stained mad scientist and it is just hilarity ensues it is so funny start to finish um Kind of flipping gears tone-wise, I also read Leyland's Curse. This is a reread for me. Leyland's Curse is one of my favorites. It is a uh, young kid-focused horror story set in modern-day Spain. Um, And it's kind of like – I say modern-day because I was about to say it's kind of like Stranger Things, but it's current. Um, And it's this idea of this little town in Spain that is cursed and the kids that live there that are trying to figure out what weird cryptids live in their home. And it is a full like multimedia webtoon with sound effects, music and flashing lights and moving panels. It's incredible. It's like a full, a full situation. You just have to see to understand the art is so beautiful. I loved everything about it. 
So that was it for my comics, but I also literally bought a Shutter s- subscription for this month for one reason only, and it's to watch the documentary Queer for Fear, which Bob, listen up, you need to watch this. <laughs> this uh, it sounds a, like it. Yes. It's a this is a you watch. So Queer for Fear traces the history of horror and how it interacts with the history of queer culture from literally the start of the horror genre with Mary Shelley and Oscar Wilde and Bram Stoker and the queer subtext or not subtext of all of them. Uh, The first episode goes in all the way up to we get Bella Lugosi and the, the drag of his performance. It's so good. And this is made by Brian Fuller of the very queer Hannibal fame. Yeah, what, um, what network can I find this, or is it a YouTube? This or? is on Shutter. Shutter. Okay. So I, it's only like five nine nine for a month. I just got a month subscription so I could watch it and horror movies this month. So fully recommend. I think the whole I think the whole documentary will be out by the end of the month as well. Awesome. So it's it's coming out week to week. So good. Uh, they interview Cassandra Peterson. You know, she comes on to talk about it. All kinds of people. Um, yeah, I just literally I just can't even with how much I loved it. Um, okay. This is the one I added just because I wanted to scream about it to John. So John, okay. this one's for I, you specifically. I'm listening. <laughs> so when I went home to visit my parents last week, I came in the door and they were like, we've got something for you to watch. Here's the selling point. It's a British murder mystery with a detective who used to be in a cult. All right. I'm already there, <gasps> but wait, he's gay. I was like, okay, sold to give it to me right now. <laughs> So this detective left his cult because he realized he was gay and has kind of left it all behind, left his hometown, but he gets called back when there is a murder that is connected to the cult and they figure he's the one that's able to solve it. It is so good. It's a, it's so far only four episodes long, but they might do a second season and Mm. I love it. Cults, queer, everything. It's amazing. Where's it at? Um, I watched it on BritBox, but I, you might be able to find it somewhere else. Did I say it was called The Long Call or did I jump right into it? I think I jumped right into it, but it's (laughs) called The Long Call. Uh, and then finally, because I want to talk about this one with Steve, I've been playing Disney Dreamlight Valley because of him and it's his fault. <laughs> <laughs> he reviewed it on the show the other day as like something that was going to come out and I immediately marked it down as I will have to buy it because he called it Disney's Stardew Valley and he was almost correct. I would say it's more like Disney's Animal Crossing, a distinction that is very minute but important to me. Um, but that said, it is incredible. Um, I, it is still in early days and it's one of those that updates over time. Um, so there is some like glitchiness and slow loading time that I'm curious if they're going to linger, but mm-hmm. right. Like cu- quite a bit of it. But that said, if you're patient, it is so fun. It's really charming to run around this little village and do all the things you would do in animal crossing, but with the help of Moana and Wally and you know, just, it's really cute. Uh, and it's also become the only thing I've been doing in my free time. So that's your fault, Steve. And that is my lightning round. <laughs> okay. First of all, when I brought up Disney Dreamlight Valley to you, I hadn't played it yet. I know. Yeah. So. I'm, but it's still your fault because you told me about it. <laughs> well, here's the part where you're going to be even madder at me. Oh, no. I started playing it. Yeah. I oh, played oh. it for about two days. Yeah. And I'm dangerously close to jumping off of it. <gasps> Why? Um, it's a little too fetch questy for me. 
Oh, at do you not start, play let me ask, well, Stardew Valley? Let me ask you a question. Let me ask <laughs> yeah. you a question. Uh, yeah. That's a question. Uh, that's a word or combination I don't recognize. Okay. Yeah, Steve, stop trying to make fetch happen. <laughs> I swear I was about to say it. High five, Aaron. I was about to say it. It was literally on the tip of my tongue. So, okay. What Bob, do you mean? Bob, when you're, when you're playing when you're playing a video game, and somebody says that it's getting too fetch questy, it means that the mission structure for the game that you're playing is just a series of small tasks that don't add up to a lot of progress within the overall game. Uh-huh. So like that's, that's a great short version of it. Yeah, absolutely. So like while yep. you have this this really incredible the, the thing I will say about Disney Dream by Valley, I went into it with very low expectations. Like when Disney puts something out video game wise. I don't really have the the confidence in their ability to do it. But to my surprise, uh, I have this on the Xbox Series X uh, via Game Pass. So I was able to get in for free. I downloaded it, made a character. He looks just like me if I was a Disney prince. It's pretty impressive. (laughs) I love it. He really does. (laughs) And so it's absolutely adorable. You get to interact. I'm interacting with Merlin, with Mickey, with Goofy. Yeah. Uh, Scrooge McDuck is kind of like the mayor of Disney Dreamlight Valley. Um, the place has been taken over by these like nightmare thorns and something called the forgetting. Mm-hmm. And basically as the magic user in this world, who's, you know, now everybody's friend, you are, going around Disney Dreamlight Valley, rebuilding what's been broken to give people back their memories. And the more memories they get, the more the Dreamlight Valley functions and the more areas you can unlock, the more characters you can meet, the more tasks you can do for them. It's just like Cthulhu, in essence. Yes. The more (laughs) believers, the the, the more power. Yeah, I like it. Exactly. It really is like a, it's a power fantasy game for, I think for Disney fans, but especially for Disney adults, because Mm -hmm. it has this really, really hardcore, like collect-a-thon mentality to it in that you are constantly being rewarded. And this is one of the the cooler aspects of the game um, with like apparel, stuff that you can use and stuff that you can wear in the world and some of it is really cleverly designed and very cool and it's down to like tiny backpacks and hats and shirts it's all disney related but a lot of it like i said is is really well designed um where the game is kind of breaking down for me is, is that i've put several hours into it like at least a good like five seven eight hours that's it well, Sorry, I'm, I'm in deep. <laughs> Look, I wish I wish that I got the amount of game time that I used to get. I barely get any time mm, to play video games these days. But so I put like you know two days, two two sit downs into this, and I just feel like I've barely gotten anywhere. And a hmm. lot of the areas, like, did you do the Ratatouille thing? Not yet. I did Moana and um, uh, Wally. Okay. Um, I chose the Ratatouille thing. And so your objective is to help Ratatouille impress the food critic enough mm-hmm. to get him to move back to Dreamlight Valley. Right. It's a series of cooking tasks that you have to do. But yeah. the kitchen that they throw you into is so cramped. And I just I was getting like claustrophobic while I was playing it. <laughs> um, huh. I, I think there's there's definitely an aspect of claustrophobia to the game, um, but 
I I might I don't know I might keep okay. going with it. Here's the here's the question: Do you play cozy games? No. Okay. See what you're uh, well, saying are bugs, <laughs> are features. I have, I have over I have over a thousand hours in Animal Crossing New Horizons. Okay, so you do so. play cozy games. See, this doesn't feel very different than Animal Crossing to me. I usually just I put on an audiobook and I start playing this, and it's like how I unwind after doing therapy all day. Like this, I think it's supposed to be fetch questy. That's the drawl of a cozy game is that you can play it you can kind of let go like it says progress forward but you don't have to put a lot of stress or energy into figuring things out or everything it's just about unwinding it's meditative i have become a very like uh, there's a lot of tension (laughs) but i don't know how to relax anymore yeah and i think i think when i play video games i like to be really active in what I'm playing, and I think that this might be a little too yeah. relaxing for yeah. me at this stage. Um, that makes sense. So I don't actually think it's like a flaw with the game. I think it's just not what you were looking for. I wish that I had it maybe on a different platform where it still yes. ran as well as it does because I don't. I don't trust getting it on the Switch. I like I it just, on the Switch. It's is been that where fine. you're playing it? Yeah. Okay. That's all I have. The only system I have is a Switch. I wouldn't start over again, though. I would have to be able to transfer my profile. <laughs> yeah, I like it on the Switch. Like I say, I like cuddle up on the couch. I get a little hot chocolate. I put on an audiobook, and I'm just playing. Uh, that's that's every night after therapy for me now. <laughs> you don't get annoyed how the characters keep saying the same thing every time you talk to them, like the same three things? No, because then I just don't have to read it. <laughs> no. I'm that person that if people talk to me too long in the game, I'm like, shut up. You go, you go into into the Ratatouille restaurant. Every time you talk to him, Pat and Oswald's like, "Hey, hi, yeah. oh, what's see, up, see. chef?" And I'm just, Here's "Oh my the, god, this is like really revealing about me as a gamer." I turn down the volume all the way because I'm listening to an audiobook. So, <laughs> all right, well, maybe it, maybe it's a podcast game, and I need yeah. to just unplug. Yeah, right. I, I turn on a queer romance. I'm like, I love it. That's great. So no, I, I don't having, listen to it. To be fair, I was fair. having the time of my life with it that first day. I was like, "This is amazing. This is my new thing. This is great." And then I the know. second day, I was We're like, so eh. "Excited!" Have you invited the, them to hang out with you yet? Because that's my favorite bit. No, no. Oh, you gotta unlock the upper levels where they can like actually go with you and do stuff. It's very fun. All right, I'm still working on sending Goofy to the mines. <laughs> what are you doing? What? Goofy? What did you do to Goofy? I didn't do anything to him yet. Yet. Yet is the key word. Gorsh. Goofy <laughs> sold out his people a long time ago. Let's I'm going to get him to mine me some garnets so I can go oh, to Scrooge McDuck oh, okay. and get off my case. That's what you're talking about. Hilarious. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, yeah you when, you get them to, when you get them to hang out with you, they, um, they like double, triple, or sometimes give you like a whole bunch of whatever you just found. Yeah. My next task that I have to do is I have to like set up a dinner for Minnie because she's missing oh, and Mickey wants yeah. to get her back. And so we're planning this yeah. like little sit down dinner thing. Yeah. And that was the last thing that I remember I had to you do gotta before be, I turned you, it off. Exactly. You got to be a marriage counselor for Mickey and Minnie. It's fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of characters. Who Tim needs Drake. counseling? <laughs> yeah. Tim Drake, number one. Yeah, Steve, John. <laughs> What did you think about the art? Like, what did you like the Riley Rossmo art with this story? Uh, um, I feel what? conflicted. <laughs> right? Right? I didn't I like it. 
I like I it am, from a distance. Like when they're when the when they are showing the city, it's kind of fun. And yeah. As soon as they get close on their faces, I'm like, who the fuck is that? Yeah. <laughs> I'm probably the biggest Riley Rossmo fan on yeah. the show, yeah. but I don't know that I love the style with this story. Yeah. No. It doesn't look like them. Like, you can't tell who anybody is unless you're told who everybody is. I will confess. It doesn't fit for me. Like, I love I love Rossimo's art in general. Um, but I felt this way when he was uh, – he debuted on the Harley Quinn book mm. as well. And I was kind of like – I got used to it, mm-hmm. like, quicker with that one. But the whole, the whole Tim Drake, I was just kind of like, mm. man. Yeah, I know. I love how they made his, like, massive gash that he has across his throat now. This, like, tiny little – because like, yeah. he's like, it was so severe. And I'm like, it doesn't really look severe. <laughs> it looks like a paper cut. <laughs> I got shot. It's okay. Yeah, I'm uh, fine. I'm it was fine. cool. I was just a I, flesh wound. Just a flesh room to the throat. Um, yeah, I, I like it a lot. I just don't let don't care for the art yet. So you're getting you're getting the vibe that you think Fitz Martin's actually really gonna go for all the relationship <sighs> stuff okay, because it felt the- to me like we started the book off with that. And then it was completely snatched away to focus on the other stuff. And maybe that's just you have to separate yeah. the, the, the Tim Drake Batmanness from Bernard oh, because I, he doesn't know. I didn't really need the new ally from We Are Robin. I felt that that was kind of. I know. I kind of wish that, it was somebody that, we. That could have been Bernard. It could have been Harper Rowe. Harper. Oh. <laughs> that was the other character I thought of when I met that character. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I, but I mean, maybe she'll grow on me, but um, I don't know. I think you're right. It would have been fun Robin. if it was somebody else. Sweatshirt Robin was funny. I'm not going to lie. There were some great one-liners in this book. And and yeah. when he's talking about his boat and he's like, Dick would hate it. Damien yeah. would hate it. Jason yeah. would be into it. Yeah, <laughs> Jason is definitely going to hang out there on weekends. Yeah. Um, and when, I love when they do the cutaways and like the like the whole layout of the, the like yeah. you know, that with like the X mansion and everything. But here's a yeah. boat, and it's <laughs> just trash. It's just yeah. a full trash boat. I do love it. Yeah, he was like, he's like Bruce would gasp in horror. <laughs> <laughs> so true. I love when Tim gets to make fun of how rich Bruce is. That cracks me. Up. I know. I do. Uh, to answer oh. your question, though, Steve. Um, Okay, here's the here's my journey with a Megan Fitzmartin book. <laughs> I did this during the last one too, where I was like at the beginning, I was like, yeah, yeah, and then it like faded off. So I, I'm hopeful, but I do know there's a chance she'll hurt me again. But so far, I like it a lot. Okay, I mean, I still like, I still dug it. I, I'm yeah. I'm excited for it. I hope it does well. I hope it finds its audience. I know that we're going to enjoy it, or yeah. at least I hope we will enjoy it. Um. But I just I know how much that character means to you, and so I when I put it down the I other am, night after I read it, I immediately thought of you, and I was like, oh, hmm. "I am so." I, it's one of those things where I go through the journey of being like, "I'm not going to be fooled again." Not going to be fooled again. As soon as a new one comes out, I'm like, "Oh yeah, okay, I'm fooled again." Um, so. I'm going to play you a clip from this podcast in like three months. I know. You could go back and go and listen to me review the first issue and then listen to me review the last issue because it's the same deal where I was like, I was a fool. But I'm hopeful. That said, I also have to shout out the interview she did. And now I'm totally pulling a blank where she did it. But she was talking about his backstory. And I think we need to comment on this because we screamed about it a few episodes ago. We now officially know what his backstory is in this version. 
which I'm losing it for. Apparently his parents are dead. He is an orphan yeah. and he's officially a Wayne. Yeah. Who okay, knew? An orphan. <laughs> so it got to be is crisis happened. Yeah. I know. His, his mom died back in the day and then his dad hooked up with the physical therapist mm-hmm. and then they got off an identity crisis. So I know, but they that, came back after that. You know, all that new 52 <laughs> hiding them and the yeah. whole that doesn't exist, which I love a it. Better story. Correct. It's yeah. correct. But I'm just, I just wanted to say to like, we had multiple people who would yell at me over on the go Twitter and be like, his parents are not dead. And I'm like, they're dead in my mind. I kill them. <laughs> okay. Yes. They are forever dead in my mind. And he is an orphan. <laughs> otherwise oh it's freaking weird. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, um, I'd like to jump in on bloodstain <laughs> and I pulled out my volumes. I'm looking at my volume one, which is signed by Linda Shayich, who is the creator of bloodstain. Yeah. Uh, Vlad Stein, our mad scientist, is <laughs> he's also the absent-minded professor, right? It, right. It's not all evil and, and horrible. He's he's just a guy who's got lots of his own problems. <laughs> Elliot yeah. Torres, Ellie, has, as you say, some of the worst jobs, job performance ever. Oh my god. And we she's get so to bad. see a number of them. Yeah. And she she's really just hasn't found herself yet. And as the volumes go on, I mean, there are three in print, there's a fourth coming. Uh, yeah, forthcoming, forthcoming, and <laughs> I I just can't wait. I don't want to get too far ahead in reading the webtoons version because I do want to support buying the books. But then I buy the books and I can't. I don't read them because I already read everything. <laughs> because mm-hmm. both Linda and her husband Stepan post all their stuff for nothing. Yeah, yeah. It's either you can do the Patreon and, and pay them directly or just wait and it's on Twitter, it's on Webtoons, it's on right. DeviantArt. They make money off of Webtoons, so they, yeah. they are getting money from that read. Now, in the Webtoons version, do they go into the origin of Bloodstain? Not yet. I haven't okay. hit any author's notes. Sometimes okay. the author's notes are just in there randomly. Uh, it's, at the, so. it's at the back of the first volume, and she was in this 2012 – she was in a creative lull and mm. just couldn't quite sort out what she was doing. So she 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 went to lunch and put some music on from a band called Halloween. And right. And um well she got an idea because there's a song called Dr. Stein, and Stepan drew an image for her, and it sparked her creative juices and she just took off from there. Yeah. And it's just, it's an amazing story. It is funny, quirky, romantic mm-hmm. horror. Yeah. It, it, and everyone's different. Every, you go a chapter in and it's like, Oh, I didn't expect that. Yeah. Linda, who, also, who also does Punderworld is also hers. Oh, I didn't know that was the same creator. Yeah. And it's Linda Shea. It's yes. Amazing. Big yeah, fan. It's so Huge fun. Fan. So yes. fun. Glad you found it. Yeah. It's all over Webtoons. I guess it just came back because it's all over the front page right now. Oh, don't you have to get me over there and that's gonna, that's gonna make me <laughs> activated. Yeah, once you open Webtoons, you're gonna see it everywhere. Yeah. So prepare <laughs> yourself. Okay. Hmm. John, are you uh you wanna talk to us about uh some butts? One of the greatest <laughs> books on the market today and the greatest butt in comics ever. Mm-hmm. Agreed. <laughs> One mis- <laughs> Sorry, I just... 
You just choked on, <laughs> choked on, on how great butt. that butt is. It's look, okay. Look, I choked on how don't, great don't go stealing my thunder. Ass is. Oh. <laughs> Nightwing <laughs> number ninety six. I I'll be honest. I was not planning on being here tonight. I I barely read anything. I was going to read uh, on Friday. My wife had treatment. I was going to read in while she did that. I ended up watching like eight hours of Hawaii Five O. I don't know why, why is that not on your <laughs> lightning rounds. The old the old one or the new one. <laughs> the new one. The okay. new one, Bob. Is it good? It's one of those shows that I hate watch. Um, <laughs> do they still say Book em Dano at least? Yes, they do. Because okay, Dano good. is – it's it's just – I watch these shows and as, as somebody who studied the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, I'm always like, well, that would get thrown out in court. Well, that would get thrown out in court. You can't oh do God. that one. I want to watch a crime show with you. <laughs> yeah. My wife and I were like, she's like, oh, she made me stop watching NCIS because I'd be like – I'd be like, why is the Navy investigating nuclear terrorism in Romania? In CIS, they were they were really unethical. They were awful. <laughs> they were terrible. They're terrible. the worst. I haven't seen one nearly that bad. <laughs> no, this I it's just I just enjoyed it and yeah. we watched it's a show we used to watch together, so we watched it and it's just it's mindless television and it and it's gone away yeah. and we we tried to watch the Magnum PI reboot, and it, you just can't do Magnum without Tom Selleck and no. that mustache mm. and that chest yeah. hair. <laughs> anyway, you should have Miles Teller do it. He's rocking mustaches these days. That man has a good stash. <laughs> I'm sorry, I wasn't I actually expecting that. <laughs> I know, well, this is how my lightning rounds go. Last week was Paw Patrol. This week it's Miles Teller's mustache. <laughs> <laughs> what about Henry Cavill? He's got the most famous mustache oh, in movies right now. No, because because Miles Towers is almost like aviator nineteen seventies point. Oh, wow. it really it's is. It. It's we not bad, know, and it could be both. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the book I ended up reading was Night oh, yeah. Number Nine. <laughs> that thing, yes. which is the pinnacle of this first long arc by. Uh, Tom Taylor, uh, Bruno Redondo on art, uh, Cal Filipe on inks, Adriano, Adriano Lucas on colors, Wes Abbott on letters. This book has been amazing from the start. And if you if you jumped on when, when Taylor jumped on, this is one of the more satisfying conclusions. You finally get the showdown between Nightwing and Blockbuster. At the end of last issue, Blockbuster found out who Nightwing really was. And because Dick Grayson inherited billions of dollars from Alfred Pennyworth, and he has decided that he is going to publicly do what most billionaires don't do and give back to the community and help fix it. Oh. And Blockbuster, on the other hand, is the billionaire who wants to screw everybody over and wants more power. And dialogue. Uh, no, um, <laughs> he says he's going to, but then he's going to make some excuse about the bots and then gotcha, he's gotcha, get out okay. of it. And he's going to go do some other things like, you know, most mad scientists do. Um, anyway, the, the the Bat family is on the scene to help. Uh, Blockbuster is trying to destroy Haven, which is this community that Dick is building. And you finally get this big showdown between the two. And that's awesome. But then it culminates with this Dick and Barbara scene where Dick looks over at her and he goes, we can't be together. Blockbuster oh. knows who I am. And no, yeah, hold on. And, and, and <laughs> <laughs> calm down, little birds. I'm going to feed you. Simba, um, Simba. Oh, yeah. Was that a Robin reference? Yes, a little God. bit. <laughs> um, 
Anyway, and she just looks and he goes, because you're always be in danger. And she just looks at him and starts laughing. And she goes, are you stupid? Because we're alive. Are always in danger. We're superheroes. Are you happy with me? And he's like, yeah. And she goes, then we're just going to be happy forever. And it's like, finally, <laughs> we're just going to be happy. We have happy Robins. We have a miserable Bruce. We have happy Robins. <laughs> As it well, should be. Jason. Jason's Someone's not too happy. He's happy on Webtoons. It's fine. Okay, he's happy on Webtoons. But, I mean, Damien's in a good place other than yeah. you know being possessed by a, a mythical demon. But he's got, his little, he's got his girlfriend over mm-hmm. there now. Uh, you know, Tim's happy. With, yeah. with Bernard and yeah. now Dick and, and Barbara are finally together after I don't even know how many decades. This book is beautiful. It's been beautiful since it started. DC has just kind of let Tom Taylor tell this story. I I loved it. I love every minute of it. And I can't I, I hope that this this feels almost like it was like it should have culminated in 100, which makes me scared that they've wrapped this up in 96. But Uh-oh. in all the previews, Tom Taylor is staying put. And I, I, I will read Nightwing as long as Taylor is on it and I will enjoy every aspect of it because it feels like he loves the character as much as I love the character. And that's what makes for a great story. And I am done. I think we should. How many times he was going to say Dick? (laughs) Did you keep a tally? My goodness, you were letting them fly. <laughs> all over the place in this book there. Right? Mm. I think we should petition Tom Taylor to slowly move through doing solos of each Bat Family member. I would just love that so much. Mm. Mm, right? I can see that. Right? Just, just keep him busy with all of them. He, it could so be a bat. round robin. Bring back the Bat Family. The Bat yes. Family book, the quarterly, oh. the big giant Bat Family oh book. Oh my that was God, that. please. Yes. Let's do it. We need it. Yeah. We need an issue where everyone meets Bernard. I'm just saying. <laughs> you imagine? Yes. But could you imagine how much they would torture that poor guy on first meeting? <laughs> Damien yeah, would have like Bruce. a light bulb in his face. Yeah, Damien is like, what are my intentions? I might not like neck. Tim, but I love Tim, and therefore, yes. you know. <laughs> I am the only one that gets to hurt Tim. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just because I beat him up and threw him in a chasm in the cave the first time we met. Oh my god, that was one time. <laughs> you think that's what Damien says when he ever Tim brings up the one? Yeah, and this uh, Tim's like, and Jason tried to kill me that time. <laughs> Dick's just over there, like I'm your favorite brother because I've yeah. never tried to kill you even once. <laughs> You have billions of dollars and I live on a shitty boat. What's up with that? <laughs> oh, family counseling with the Robins uh, is fun. <laughs> that would be a fun book too. <laughs> I may or may not have, as a teenager, wrote a fanfic where Harley Quinn kidnaps the Robins and does family therapy with them. Well, well, I want to see that. I want to see that. You need to find its way to me. Yes. Because you sent I, me down a rabbit hole of fan fiction last week <gasps> that I didn't want to come back. From. Did you read the <laughs> did you did you read them? Oh my god, some people have those puppies doing the most obscene things. <laughs> those 28 fix were real explicit. I'm oh my telling god. You, we need to do a dramatic reading <gasps> of Paw Patrol fanfic. Oh, I am so in. I'm on board with that. Oh my god, yes. I think that would be hilarious. Oh yeah. Oh. We yes. just find like the, the right one. <laughs> 
I know. When I do more research, Chris. All right, I'm on it. We're on it. Let's go. Let's start, we'll start a share. Back to AO3. Folder. Oh, oh my man. god! Yeah. I had more Twitter comments about my, my <laughs> on, did on you Paw really? Wow. I had so many people like like DMing me like, "What's your problem with the Paw Patrol? What what <laughs> with Paw Patrol?" Wait, it was in I defense like, of Paw Patrol. Yes. yes. <laughs> I shit all over a beloved children's show that wasn't even around when they were kids. You ruined their childhood. No, I ruined the fact that their kids plopped themselves in front of it. Now they need to rethink it. (laughs) They don't have to. I plopped myself in front of worse things as a kid. It's fine. I turned out fine. (laughs) Clearly. I'm reading explicit Paw Control fanfic. I'm clearly fine. I used to watch Thundar the Barbarian and never wondered about what was actually going on in that show. That's nice for you. Well, I've never not wondered what was actually going on in any show. I used to get stuck in the the relationships of G.I. Joe and like, there's only like two women on this team. And I was going to say, there's not a whole lot. It's got to be pretty gay. It's Scarlet and Lady J and then everybody else is just kind of. What about Baroness? Yeah. She's not in G.I. Joe. She's in Cobra. Oh, but that makes it sexier. It's the bad girl thing. Come on. It needs to love her. No, they tried that in the Channing Tatum movie and it just didn't go anywhere. (laughs) Yeah. I forgot that movie existed. So oh, they I, I, John's G.I. Joe fan fiction. Oh, okay, who did, who did you ship room. in your fan fiction then, John? Who, which of the guys are together? Let's let's get into it. <laughs> oh, in in, in uh, uh, Duke and Flint, perfect. All, all yes. over each other. Yes, you got 100%. the commander basic. and the sergeant. Oh, well, okay, well, who do you suggest, Aaron? So basic. Who do you suggest? Listen, y'all need to go. <laughs> Full on S and M. Oh, with, with some. What's the one with the metal face? Destro. Oh, uh, Destro. Destro. <gasps> ninja guy. Ooh. Ooh, that's hot. Daddy Destro. Oh my god! Wait, I'm looking it up. <laughs> with, There's got to be fanfic. Word. <laughs> what about uh, Sergeant Slaughter and Shipwreck? Mmm. It was a shipwreck. Little, how about we That's throw a whole different category of porn? <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I love it! I'm now looking up the GI Joe Ao3 page. What about Zartan, <laughs> who can become anybody? That's just Ooh. a fantasy waiting to happen. Oh. Oh. I've I've seen the Mystique panels. I know how that goes. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, let's let's just move on before we get into two one Bibles back. and whatever. Yeah, let's, let's just. Oh, I can't wait for this week's Twitter. <laughs> Would you, would you like to do a lightning round before this podcast bursts yeah, into flames? Sure, why not? Let's go. Do you uh, do you want to know how many explicit fix there are in the GI Joe? <laughs> sure, give us the count. Give us the count. It's, it's only twelve. There are more Paw Patrol explicit. What the hell, people? I know. Fiction unite. <laughs> we need to fix this. A lot of fans of doggy style on there. You oh. right. You so right. All right, Bob, go ahead. All righty. <laughs> Thunderbolts number two by Jim Zub, Sean Isaacs, Java Tatalia, and Joe Sabino. We'll strike a chord. Sorry, with old time Marvel monster fans, with the introduction of Egro the Unbreakable. <laughs> it looks to have walked out of the pages of a late 50s Lee Kirby story from Journey to Mystery or Tales to Astonish. 
so far, this mini has shown a great propensity for throwing a lot of quirkiness into its handling of what could have been just another team-up book. I'm just really digging what, what they're attempting here and shouldn't have expected less from Jim Zub, honestly, considering all this other stuff. But Thunderbolts has been a lot, a lot of fun. Speaking of quirkiness, Damage Control Number 2 by Adam Goldberg, Hans Rodianoff, Will Robeson, oh, with new recruit Gus manning the Consumer Affairs Division, and that happens to, to deal with superhero-related complaints and grievances, and which is situated in the public restroom. Well, you know, this <laughs> issue is chock-a-block with just as much goofiness as, as the last time, and you got some interesting cameo appearances that really, really just add to the fun. Damage Control's also been a lot of fun. Now... The ultimate quirky book of the week is, of course, Defenders Beyond number three. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. Al Ewing, <laughs> Javier Rodriguez, Joe Carmonia. And and how can it not be with, with Taya, Galactus's mom, now possessed by the Phoenix Force, in combat with a leveled-up America Chavez, not to mention Adam Brashear and Tigra, not forget to mention some shenanigans with a blender. Look, hmm. you just need to read Defenders 3 and see how that all fits together. And honestly, you know, the blender, it just ties the room together. It just really does. Just one of those <laughs> things. I'm loving Defenders. Loved it the last time through. Al Ewing, who's been one of my favorite quirky writers. We go back to Ultimates and so on and so forth. Just really super. And I just want to throw a quick note in. I have... Having bought now the Blu-ray, I've rewatched Thor: Love and Thunder twice this week. Once mm -hmm. with a group who was sort of split in their opinions before we got in to watch it. At the end of it, we had all the kids laughing hysterically. Loved the goats, also ooing and eyeing over some other stuff going on, some of the heavier stuff. I don't want to spoil in case people haven't seen. And people who were predisposed to not like it, absolutely loving it. At the end of the day. Right now, and it'll change because things always do when you sort of, where would I slot this in my Marvel movie list? Ooh. I don't know. Top five? Really? really? I oh. love this movie. I am so touched still as many times as I watch, as we get near the end of this and some of this stuff, I thought they did so much justice with Jason Aaron and Russell Dowderman did. Love it. Absolutely love it. So, Top five? Yeah. Damn. Now, right. We're talking Marvel Studios. Now, we don't want to get down the, into the hole, but... Uh, I don't know. King Kong is uh run for his money. No, no. no I'm top five Marvel movies. Marvel no, Studios know. movies. Not not all time. So for me, it's Cap vs. Avenger, Captain Marvel, Black Panther, Cap Winter Soldier, Avengers, Iron Man. But I think Thor Love and Thunder finds its way maybe between Avengers and Iron Man. That's cool. That's awesome. So anyway... That's it for me. So Defender. I read <laughs> Defenders Beyond last night. Let me tell you, that book, I don't know that I understand everything that's going on. I think I said this the last time when I read one and two back to back and then being removed from it for a month, but then coming back for the third one. That book is one of the trippiest superhero stories I've ever read. And yes. even if I don't like, if, if I don't grasp all of it, I'm still having the absolute best time with it. 
Perfect. Um, and the artwork in that book is so spectacular. It is, it is eye popping in every way, shape and form. It never stops. It's, there's always something to look at. It's, it shifts gears uh, about partway through and gives you like a different presentation. Uh, it's, it's really brilliant. Is it only five issues? Yes. It's really, it's, it's really something special. Like it, it kind of follows in the vein of the last time that they got together for the defenders, but just watching the, the artwork level up in the way that it has for this has has been really incredible. The two pager Um, with the green tiger. Oh God. All of it. Like, all the, the the fire, even the way that the, the the book reads because the art, you know, draws your attention to one part of the page and then you know to read there next and stuff like that. And it just, it was a ride. Like I, I was half asleep when I started it, but I wanted to make sure that I read it. And immediately when I opened it, I was like, oh, right. It's this, it's like this I'm book. reading this series. <laughs> I'm going to have to sit up for this one. And um I love it. I love it. I think it's brilliant. I, I, I think it's absolutely gorgeous and just intimidating, but fun enough to just enjoy the ride and not really have to worry about all the ins and outs. And it's also the type of thing that like, I would love to read that um, again before, like when it's, it's only five issues, all five back to back, like before we yes. do any end of the year stuff. Cause it is definitely, definitely uh, on my short list of things that I've loved this year. So to hear, yeah, Chris, did you get a chance at Defenders Beyond? I haven't read the newest one, unfortunately. I am excited to though because I love the series. So I'm just one behind. Make sure you get the official "I Am Phoenix" cover. It is striking. Oh, okay. Oh yeah. The other covers are not bad either, but boy, that oh, good stuff. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, anybody else have any comments for Bob about his stuff? Nope. Thunderbolts. You're making me want to read Thunderbolts. You should be reading Thunderbolts. Damn it. No. Mm-hmm. Luke Cage's Mary needs to have his own team, and so he puts together a team. And they're quirky. No more, no more buying people's books. I gotta stop. Chris is right. It has. It has. No, it has the, I wasn't trying to shame you. I it swear. Has the, it has the purple daughter in it, Steve. No, daughter of Kilgrave. Fuck. A- mm. <laughs> All right. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I'll figure it out. Um. I guess it's my turn then. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> Um, what do I have for you this week? I'm going to talk to you really quick about Briar. Briar number one from Boom Studios, written by Chris Cantwell, illustrated by Jermaine Garcia, and colors by Mateos Lopez, and lettered by And World Design. <sighs> so everybody knows the story of Briar Rose, pricks her finger on a uh, spinning needle and falls asleep. Prince comes, gives her a kiss. She wakes up happily ever, ever after. Blah, blah, blah. What if that didn't happen? <gasps> what if she did prick her finger? She did fall into a deep sleep. 
But when the prince showed up, the prince was like, King, you know what? We're men. We like to we like to run the show, don't we? And King's like, yeah, you know, that's that's the good life. That's kind of what I'm used to. And so Prince decides to marry Briar, but don't give her the kiss. Let her sleep. And we'll run the kingdom without having to, you know, hear Briar nagging and advising and doing her thing, even though she was established as a absolutely brilliant, if pampered, but brilliant person at the at the start of this book. And so Prince Dickhead is just going to leave her on is the slab. Is that name? <laughs> no. Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, and she's going to sleep for a hundred years. Ouch. And she's going to, she's, there's going to be vines all over her resting place. She's going to corrode. She basically <gasps> is going to wither. But then one day a mysterious stranger comes and cuts away the vines, leans down, gives her a kiss and just kind of disappears and she wakes up after a hundred years to basically find her kingdom in ruin and the entire world that she knows has changed. Oh and God. everyone that she ever knew, of course, it's been a hundred years is dead. So how do you reclaim your kingdom and your birthright in this new world, especially a world overrun by like brigands and orcs and scoundrels and people that are out to kill you and enslave you and, it is just an absolutely awesome version, like alternate version of that original story. I love the way that it reads. Uh, it reads very much like an old fable or uh, fairy tale book. I actually have a page open here that uh, just read you a little passage here. I regret to inform you that the narrator of my fairy tale has died. He had a rich tongue and sang to innocence under candlelight of adventure and love and treachery undone by heroism. He knew how it all began and how it all would end. He knew of the fates and destinies and all within this tale. He knew of mine. And it goes from there. It's got this very, like, it's all like very beautifully written really uh, like amazing art. I mentioned uh, Caitlin Yarsky coming into the conversation again. The artwork for this is very Caitlin Yarsky meets uh, Ben Stenbeck, who did a lot of work for the Hellboy series. So it's got that Gothic quality to it, but it also has a little bit of um, Caitlin's like colors and, and facial features and whatnot. And the art changes at least three times throughout this story. And it's all the same artist. And it's just really brilliant to see them move from like powdery, sweet Disney fairy tale into this like dark poisoned and corrupted world where she's been left, you know, to the ages and wakes up and is like hacking up bile and blood because she's been lying there for so long And, you know, she's attacked by these giant rats that look like the things from uh, the Princess Bride. And she grabs a sword from a nearby dead body and she's suddenly feasting on the body afterwards. And it's just like zombie Briar Rose trying to reclaim her humanity and her kingdom um, and then finding an unlikely partner throughout uh, throughout her journey to do this with. And it is just Visually, it's spectacular. Uh, and story-wise, it just reads really cool. It, it reads like one of those grim fairy tales um, that you saw as a kid, like the old ones, the good ones, the dark ones. 
Yeah. Um, I absolutely recommend it. I loved it. Um, it's called Briar Number One, and it's uh, from Boom Studios. Definitely go and check it out. So Sunday, I reserved four comics. I said to myself, I'm going to take a day just for me. I'm going to sit on the couch or I'm going to sit in the bed and I'm just going to read all afternoon. It's going to be great. I'm going to have all of these books to talk about on the podcast. It's going to be glorious. I'm going to be the hero of the day. (laughs) And then I decided to read Ducks. I did not know that Ducks was like 500 pages. (laughs) And so the first book that I chose I'm like 90 pages into it and I'm like, this doesn't feel like it's wrapping up anytime soon. Let me just, uh, let me hit hit the button here. And I looked and it was like page 90 of 460. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, this is what I'm talking about on the podcast. (laughs) And so I'm, I'm, I'm in the mood and I'm like, oh, look at this. It's, it's a new Kate Beaton book. I love Kate Beaton. She's hilarious. She always writes these like really sweet and heartfelt things. And this is going to be a romp. It's called Ducks. It's probably adorable. Hmm. And then I see the full title. It's called Ducks, Two Years in the Oil Sands. And I'm like, what? (laughs) I'm opening it up and I'm like, but it's, it's Kate Beaton and her family's here. And like her little family comics that she posts or used to post all the time that I would love and reread all the time, like on Twitter. This is amazing, right? This is going to be a good time, right? (laughs) And I mean, no. So, okay. (laughs) What if I told you that before Kate Beaton became a world famous comic book creator, that she worked in the Canadian oil sands on a, basically a development of land meant to um, breed and, and, take oil from from the ground um to you know distribute to all the the various oil companies um this is a really 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 grueling tough job and apparently it's a really big staple of kind of canadiana that i didn't know anything about so the first thing that happens when i open this book is there are she's drawn maps of canada Right. And so you see all the different provinces, all the different territories and stuff. And I realized as I'm looking at these maps, I've been living here for it's going to be, I think, six years in March of next year. So there's still so much that I don't know about Canada. Like I've looked at a map of Canada before, but I've never actually sat down and poured over it for a couple of minutes or whatever. And now that I actually have been to a couple of places and know the layout of, of the land, um, it was really, really interesting to sit down with those maps and kind of see where I am in relation to these other places. I've been to Vancouver. My boss is from Montreal, like all these different things, all these people that I've met. Um, but this might be the first time that I've ever actually really looked at the layout. So this so the story takes place in 2005. Kate is 21 years old and she's fresh out of college. She doesn't want student loans hanging over her head. Real. So her goal, yeah, right? So her goal <laughs> is to get a good job and pay them off quickly. And one of the fastest ways that you can do that is to go and work in the oil sands. Um, the problem with working at the oil sands is that this is a 
male dominated industry and a, and a, a male dominated site. Um, doesn't matter which one you go to. It is probably 10 to one, uh, or fit. No, I'm sorry. 50 to one, uh, male population. So the book delves into like, what does that mean for the culture of these places? Who are these men when they're working 12 and 12 days? So 12 days on site, 12 days off site, who do they become when they have that much time away from their families? How do they behave? Um, And this is a very, very serious question and a serious matter that permeates the entire story of these two years that she worked there. And um, there's another aspect of the book of Kate's mom having a really hard time letting her go. Uh, Kate basically leaves home and she lands in Fort McMurray and goes to work at Syncrude, which is in uh, Mildred Lake as a tool crib attendant. Because she's young, she's the new girl working on a site overpopulated by male workers. She suddenly becomes the center of a lot of unwanted attention. Yes. This uh, is an autobiographical book. And so when I was talking to Bronwyn about this and I was in the middle of reading this and I said, you know, this book got very serious and very and very dark and very revealing about a portion of of Kay Beaton's life. And, um, you know, unfortunately, she was sexually assaulted uh, mm-hmm. on more than one occasion while working at this job. Uh, she went through a lot of stages of guilt for recommending people for the work because it is or was the one of the e- not easier ways, obviously, mentally, physically, but financially. It was it's a good job if you want to pay your student loans off quick to then go and do what you went to school for. It's like a, a stopgap kind of thing. But the culture that is there can really weigh on you and, and has ruined some people. And the story goes into that um, a whole lot. And so it also talks about how awful the oil sands operations are for the environment and for the people, like regardless of what sort of health and safety measures you implement, it's just prolonging the death of the land. You're still taking and not giving back and you're doing it for money Drinking water gets ruined. People get cancer. Uh, Animals are trapped and poisoned by the oil runoff. And she realizes this, you know, partway through her journey there and really starts to question her choices and, you know, feels this tremendous guilt for kind of uh, working for the machine that that is doing so much damage to the lands and also you know, taking away from the indigenous communities and poisoning their water and forgetting about them or buying their land and then, you know, ushering them off of it. Ushering being a kinder word than I would rather use. Um, But there's also like milestones of her career that are uh, peppered in throughout this book because drawing comics and starting her online career by contributing to a website she did in her downtime while she was doing this job. Uh, And so the first drawing or the creation of the pony from the princess and the pony happened during this time. And so like you get to see that 
in this story. And so there are little pockets of there's definitely humor throughout the book. You get to meet all of her coworkers uh, throughout the two years. And there's a big rotating cast because she's constantly moving from office to office and position to position. And some of them are really interesting. Like some of them are, or if not all of them are based on real people that she worked with. Uh, she went back and spoke with a lot of her coworkers that she used to talk to and do the shifts with for the book. Um, they were all very enthusiastic about her telling the stories. Some of the names have been changed. Some of them have stayed the same. Uh, she had like one other uh, female coworker that she commiserated with, and they kind of teamed up on this to call a lot of the real life stories that happened uh, during this time and share them in the book. And it is a really fascinating way to see, like, if you're a Kate Beaton fan, it's, I mean, it kind of blew me away to learn that this was a part of her life. Um, I'd never heard of it. I'd been following her for at least a, a decade by now. We have her books in our living room, like literally propped up in our uh, bookcases to display them uh, face out. And I've gifted her books to family members and stuff like that, uh, never knowing that this was a part of her life. And to see her put her experience and some of her pain and, you know, some of the the tragedies that she went through while doing this job and while earning her money so that she can get to where she is today, uh, it was, you know, sad and inspiring at the same time. Mm-hmm. And... um I have, I've always had the utmost respect for her and, and now it is tenfold, a hundredfold for, for someone being able to be that honest in their, in their work and with their audience and share those vulnerable parts of themselves within this story. And it was just like, knocked me on my ass because I sat down thinking I was getting this adorable Kate Beaton book about ducks and then Ducks just turns out to be like the nickname of a new person working at the oil sands. Uh, something that like her coworkers called her Ducks and Ducky. Um, not knowing that I was in for this like emotional roller coaster and, and learning about this very dark period in one of my favorite creators lives and having it all be real. Um, and I just, I walked, I walked away from it fascinated and disturbed and disgusted with the the rampant misogyny and casual racism that she encountered while working there but really blown away by her reserve and how strong she she was throughout that journey and and the person that she's come out as since uh, I think is quite remarkable and um, I absolutely, positively loved it. I, I could not put it down. Uh, and I spent the entire afternoon trying to finish it because it was just really, really engaging and a really insightful uh, look into her early days uh, when she was first getting started as a creator. And I never knew. I never would have guessed that she had moved away to go and work with like these terrible conditions and staying in these, you know, tiny rooms on site and um, not being able to go home for Christmas because she moved so far away from her family because student conditions are just so poor that people have no choice, but to practically kill themselves to get out of debt before it gets any worse. So 
that's what I spent my time reading. <laughs> Any questions? Sounds intense. That's <laughs> all we need to say. Sounds great, too. Yeah. yeah. Yikes. Yeah, I was like, how, how, how do we say anything? <laughs> I know. Uh, it's really Student nice. loan debt sucks, y'all. I could attest. Yeah, I'm... Uh, Remember the I'm, day I paid mine off. Oh. It was, I, I look forward I to I remembering it. that day. I think I did it my first adult cartwheel. <laughs> I'm still going through it right I now. I got, I, got, I got something from them today. They, they, you know what it is? I keep waiting for this loan forgiveness stuff to show up. And so the I application's opening up, so... They are, right? Okay. This month, the application's opening up. Okay. I got an email the other day that looked like the thing I'm waiting for. And then I, I looked at it further today and I was like, no, this doesn't look. It's so hard to trust that stuff. Yeah. Because you don't know if like you're sending your your very, very personal information to the wrong people. I get so right. nervous with that. But anyway, um, it's an absolutely spectacular book. It's called Ducks Two Years in the Oil Sands. If you're a Kate Beaton fan at all, uh, if you enjoyed books like Hark a Vagrant, Hop on Pop, um, Hop on Pop, Step Aside Pops, not Dr. Seuss, Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, the Princess and the Pony, uh, The Baby King, all of those, all those really amazing books. This is a much darker story from her, but a, a, a absolutely riveting one nonetheless. So, mm-hmm. uh, and Briar number one is just absolutely spectacular. I'm actually going to, I'm going to send you guys some art from this so you can see what I'm talking about. It is just too intense for words. Um, but yeah, those are the books that I got. <laughs> and, uh, I think this we're going to move on. Well, I was just going to go. You ever hear, there's a famous George Carlin routine about, you know, it's the seven words you can't say on the radio or on television, whatever. And there's a corollary to that where he mentions that on television, um, you can prick your finger, but you can't finger your. Oh, wow. <laughs> <Yep>. wow. <laughs> so I just thought oh, I'd my. throw that in there. <laughs> well, I could, I could. Now you know what? I'm not going to take it there. <laughs> take it there. You can always no, edit it no, out. No, no, no. Then, then, then we got to go into piercings and gauge sizes. And, okay. Oh. oh yeah, you can. You're right. Right? You know, yeah, yeah. You know, if you right. get creative enough with it. <laughs> anyway, okay. <laughs> uh, sorry. Skeletal sorry. sex throne. Everyone. <laughs> Still waiting for the picture of it. Anyway, go ahead. Um. I sent you some, uh, well, I'm going to send one more in the chat. Uh, but let's do some news. Uh, what do we got here? We got lots of news this week. Um, oh, God. All right. Let's start with the biggest news. The biggest news probably of the year, I would say. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um so this happened. This happened really like right after we dropped our last episode. He, Ryan Reynolds, came out with a a social media post, a video as he as he's wont to do, and he's talking about Deadpool three, and he's like, you know, I'm sorry that we missed D twenty three, and we're just you know we're trying to pull this dead Deadpool thing together. It's really hard. Uh, we don't have any ideas and you know, there's a lot of pressure and we don't want to screw it up. And so, but we did have one idea 
and Hugh Jackman just <laughs> walks behind behind him in the background, it's starts the couch, walking yeah. up a flight of stairs. <laughs> and Ryan's like, hey, Hugh, you want to play Wolverine one more time? And Hugh Jackman's just like, yeah, sure, Ryan. Why not? And Ryan just pops his eyebrows, the music cues in, and everybody in the world went ballistic that Hugh Jackman is returning as Wolverine in Deadpool 3. We even got a release date for this thing. Pretty cool. That's amazing. I'm excited. I am legitimately so pumped for this. Yeah. Uh, this is supposedly coming out September 6th, 2024. So we got a ways to go, but leave it to Marvel to capitalize on one of the greatest cinematic bromances <laughs> of all time and to just back the money truck on up and, and <laughs> take a bunch of friends and say, do the thing. <laughs> and they're doing the thing. It's going to yeah. be great. Chris, you're excited yeah. about this? I am excited about this. I love Hugh Jackman just in general and his Wolverine specifically. John, how about you? Uh, super. This is this is Ryan Reynolds' brilliance at social media. Yeah. And yeah, I, I'm super excited for this when it comes out. Awesome. Anybody else want to jump in here? I don't really care about the Wolverine part. I just like the bromance part. I oh, my God. I was kind of saturated. I was oversaturated on Wolverine after a while on the Jackman Wolverine. But yeah, but it's been long that. enough. I, no, not really. I really do love that. <laughs> I do love their relationship, though. So I'm more so excited about that. And that 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 little clip made me excited about it. So yeah, you know, I I want to see their dynamic, right? Um, you know, because you know they're going to play off of the, you know. The first Deadpool attempt. We'll just call it that. Yeah, and, and then the, the follow-up of all the internet feuding, in quotes, over these last couple of years. It, it, uh, I can't imagine they aren't going to address some of that. The way they did even the, and with him wearing the Hugh Jackman mask when he first reveals himself, right, in the first one. It's, 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 just go for it. Yeah, have some fun. It's stapled to his face. Right, exactly. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's pretty cool that, like, this cultural touchstone that geek culture has had for so long of the Ryan Reynolds, Hugh Jackman uh, feud throughout the years, quote unquote, um, just culminating into a full length feature film with two of the most iconic Marvel characters ever that are like oil and water together. And they're just, they're going to take that chemistry and apply it into these characters and probably tell the goofiest like most action packed story that they can. And it's, it's going to, I have a feeling it's going to be awesome. It'll be much better than red notice. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That movie was bad. I watched that. I'm sorry. Um, Speaking of movies, I watched antlers. Anybody, anybody see antlers? No, no. Um, It's It's been recommended to me by Jess. It's very good. It is very good. It's the Antler um, Baby, right? That's the one? Not necessarily, no. no. Okay. It's about a like a small mining town where a, a kid's father gets sick, uh, and he has to keep him locked inside of uh, the attic in the house. And uh, I'll just... It goes from there. Um, it's, it's simple. 
it's well done. It's well acted. And I, the, the kid that like the, the Lucas, the main kid is phenomenal. Like I don't think he's done anything since, but someone needs to maybe uh, snatch him up and get him in some movies. Cause he was, he sold it to me. Um, it's excellent. It's good for, for spooky season for people looking for movies, go and see antlers. It's great. Um, another story here, the Grendel series that I forgot all about, uh, is not going forward at Netflix. So, um, this is the masked vigilante from Matt Wagner, his, uh, his series and dark horse. What's up, Bob? No, it's not. It's, he's not a masked vigilante. He's a straight up criminal. Netflix will not be going forward with <laughs> Grendel, a series based on the masked vigilante from Matt Wagner's popular award-winning Dark House. Is this wrong? Yes. Oh. What? Grendel is an influence, and in the, the series spans from the 1980s Hunter Rose, who is a criminal because he gets bored with being a good person, and it goes all the way into the far-flung future where there's Grendel Prime, which is an, a cyborg that is hunting for a new home for humanity. It's one of the most massive 40-year stories that's been going on forever to just dwindle it down into a mass vigilante because that's what Netflix wants. That's just not accurate. What? Where were you when I was writing the article? I didn't know that this was the... I didn't know that that's what they wrote because... Damn you! was like one of the first, like, like... Indie books that I read, that and Miracle Man, because they they were in the 1980s, and then that led to Mage, which is Matt Wagner just did a, a phenomenal indie stuff in the 80s, and I was really excited for this series because it could be really really cool if they did the noir black and white and red and just subtleness of it. But hopefully, it finds a home somewhere else. So hold on a minute. Grendel follows Hunter Rose. A gifted fencer, writer, and assassin seeking to avenge the death of his lost love. He goes to war with New York's criminal underworld only to realize why beat them when you can join them. Is this inaccurate? No, that's that's pretty much straight up. The more so that he didn't go to war with them to to out of vengeance. He just decided that he was better at it than everybody else. Man. All right. Well, I learned something tonight. Oh, it's a it's a phenomenal series if you want to go back and read it sometime. Do you think it's going to get picked up by somebody else? No, it's too no. obscure. <laughs> All right. Well, if nobody else has any thoughts, <laughs> I have never heard of it, but I, I guess I will continue to not hear about it, huh? Apparently it's really good. Just John over there keeping the torch warm. John, would I like it? What do you think? No. Okay. I'm not going to do it. I, 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 just, I don't. I don't. I, it, it's such an eclectic book and it, mm-hmm. and it, some of the early stuff is dated. Mm, um, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, I, you know me well enough at this point that I trust you. You no, say, no, I'm I, not going to do it. It's too sci-fi now. It's become this like science fiction story hmm. and it's not, even, it, yeah, it's lost a lot of the elements. Teenage mercenary. No. Speaking of losses, Marvel's blade has lost its director. Oops. Bassam Tariq uh, is two months ahead of production, is leaving uh, the Blade movie with Mahershala Ali. Um, That sounds like a bad sign. Ominous. Yeah, yeah that's the beginning of the end. No. Come on, Blade. 
No, they're going to find someone else. They'll, they'll, John I think Favreau, come on down. No, no, <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. no, they can, they can still do this. I don't know if, I mean, getting somebody in two months ahead of production is that's, that doesn't bode well. I don't know. Fast and the Furious, they'd already shot for two weeks and they, yeah, I'll tell you what, man, I don't know about who they found for those last movies. I don't know that that's the best idea. Um, I mean, it's I could be wrong, now. but well, we'll see. Who's available right now? Let's let's make a list. Uh, I mean, it's Marvel. They couldn't. They can probably find someone, but I, I just it's the production schedule that bothers me because it just doesn't leave them a lot of time. And then whoever does come in is going to have you know all that stuff already set up for them. And maybe not feel like it's their movie, and that can sour Yomo people. Del Toro, bring him back. Yes, yes, right. Guillermo like del Toro did Blade oh, Two. I mean, well, that would be amazing. Yeah, I hear Josh Whedon's free. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh. no! You couldn't be more on. free right now. In fact. <laughs> Moving Zack Snyder's out. not doing anything. Is yeah, he? <laughs> <laughs> he is. He's doing. He's doing that. Uh, that moon movie. What the hell is that thing what? called? Oh god. He's doing Netflix like Nazis on yeah. Mars or something. Oh, uh, Moonfall. Is that what it was? No, no. That's no. the other that moon was, movie. That was the Roland Emmerich movie. Right. <laughs> moon. Yeah, that was. <laughs> I, I did watch that. That was one of the worst things I've ever seen. But it was like a train wreck. I had to keep yeah, going. I still. I. I still want to see it. <laughs> <laughs> see, but if you want to see Nazis okay. on the moon, you got to watch Iron Sky. That's the one. There you go. Rebel Moon is the is the movie that it's he's been done on already. Right now it's been done already. Nazis on, young, Nazis on the moon. I don't care. A young woman seeks out warriors from other planets to fight the tyrannical armies terrorizing her peaceful colony. And that's uh, it's got Charlie Hunnam. <laughs> Hmm. Uh, Hunnam and Ed's oh, from Stranger Things? Is that... No, no, from, uh, uh, Sons, of no. Sons of Anarchy. Who am I thinking of? <laughs> I don't know. Somebody else entirely. Harry uh, Elways, <laughs> Anthony Hopkins, Sophia Butella, Jenna Malone. Uh, this is why Netflix doesn't Hansu. renew anything because they're spending all their money on Zack Snyder yeah. movies. Ray Fisher's in here. Wow, they're making uh, they're making movies that uh, that Scott Snyder. Scott, I was Snyder, thinking of Charlie Heaton. That's who I was thinking of. Totally oh. different person. Oh, Stranger Things guy. Yeah, that's who I was. That's what I said. Anyway, and, go uh, ahead. X uh, Men New Mutants guy. I guess <laughs> it's, it's a bad movie. Um. All right, <laughs> moving, moving on. Uh, uh, Armor Wars. I'm going to call it Don Cheadle's Armor Wars <laughs> is uh, it was going to be a series on Disney Plus. It is now being developed into a movie. Nice. Huh. So that's cool. Yeah. Um, this move essentially pushes back the title uh, in the development slate. So they might move it, which makes sense, especially if they're going to be upping the production to feature level stuff. Um, but this is cool. This is, you know. I'm down for this. Okay. How do people I mean, I feel th- about War Machine as a character? Uh, yes. See, same, John. I like Rhodey. I like Rhodey more than I like War Machine. 
Yeah. Weren't they both banging Carol for a while? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the character in the MCU, though, like he is he is just the the narkiest cop to ever narc. I just don't like him. (laughs) Do not care for him. I don't even think he was a character in the MCU, to be honest. You're right. He was just there to really just screw stuff up when he showed up. Well, that's the thing. I don't even think they gave it's. I, I don't even – I'll be honest with you. You know you're sending me down a rabbit hole that I will only take 30 <laughs> seconds to go down. I don't even know why they bothered to recast it because they recast yeah. it with an actor of his caliber and yeah. then barely used him for anything significant mm-hmm. yeah. other than to volley plot points between the other actors. Yes, 100%. That seemed to have greater importance. So I just felt like that was a wasted opportunity and slightly disrespectful to him mm-hmm. to be Very. honest with you. Well, they – what is the like – um, disabling someone version of fridging because that's what yeah. they did to him, right? Like exactly. he, they yep. they disabled him to give motivation for Iron Man. That's it. Mm-hmm. And then said, "Oh, we'll undo it by saying he built this little nifty <laughs> brace over here." And then right. blah, blah 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 blah. Which, like, hey, Marvel, you could have done disability rep. You know, you don't have that, but sure, go ahead. So yeah, I just I just felt like that was a whole misstep altogether. So maybe he'll get a personality in the movie. Then we can decide if we like him or not. <laughs> he'll get to actually act. I was just so annoyed with him in Civil War. He was so copy in that movie. I just couldn't deal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he turned on Cap so quickly. So fast. He was like, yeah. get his ass out of here. <laughs> I can't lie. I, that, that's, a, that's another conversation because I'll be honest. That was the point. I'll be through the whole MCU. I really had issues with Tony Stark until that that movie. And then I was like, I'm team Tony now. <laughs> really was that yeah. was movie that like switched it for me i'm like i'm totally team tony because i was like cap sat there on the helicarrier speechifying to nick fury about blah 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 and then turns around and conceals that his best friend murdered his other friend's parents and blah, blah. oh <laughs> your team him in that not in the politics because <laughs> i was like he I sure he sure was tony. uh Iron Man sure was team. Let's trust the establishment. This has never gone wrong in that movie. Exactly true. I mean, like, let's be honest. Captain America's anti-establishment stance wasn't hundred percent just horniness for his bestie. Let's. It wasn't really a political stance. But Who wouldn't cover up a murder for their. You know, I would. I would start a, I would start a civil war for Bucky Barnes. Like, look, I can't judge. <laughs> I was just like, wait a second. They got to resolve this somehow because Cap spent a good portion of Avengers speechifying to people, mm-hmm. you know, in that room. I'm like, they got to bring this full circle to make it make sense. And they never did. I know uh, it makes so. perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. If you think about this movie psychologically, which is simple, those two asshats would rather start a whole war than have a single conversation. That's yeah. the movie. Men. Yes. Men. The movie is, <laughs> oh my God, men. Why is it Nat leading the Avengers? <laughs> America. That's what it is. America. <laughs> you weren't expecting this to become a Civil Wars review, were you, listeners? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to our next story so that we can do some listener questions here. We don't have any more stories. Do we do. We, we, got one, we got one more. Yeah. It's not on there. Oh. Bob, you put this one in the chat. Oh, oh, we're going to do that. Okay. <laughs> we can. We don't have to. No, sure. What is it? Do you, did you read it? Do you want to tell yes, us what it is? Well, th- there's a story now out that Dan Lin, uh, movie producer extraordinaire, who was in line to be the Kevin Feige of DC Comics. 
The reason he decided not to about a month ago is over the cancellation of Batgirl. Didn't like the way everything was starting to look over there and walked away and said, no, this isn't for me. I don't like what you're doing. Good for him. Go, Dan. That's awesome. Yeah. Where That's incredible. Yes. Yeah. Love him even more. <laughs> Leave you guys in a spot. Uh. All right, let's do uh let's do some listener questions. We don't have music for that, I don't think, but okay. No, we don't. But I do want to thank everybody who wrote in, who uh who tweeted us some stuff, who wrote into our email podcast at talkingcomicbooks.com to send your emails. Uh, let's do this first one. This one came from Twitter. This is from Watered Down Pop. Who would you choose if you could take any superheroes from Marvel, DC, or Image to build a super team? And of course, you need a villain or even villains to fight them. Okay. I'm going to go first. I am in a big magic mood lately. I want a magic super team. I want a coven mm. of Ooh. magic users. I want Zatanna. Yes. Clea. Magic. Serena Spellman. <laughs> yeah. Rowan Black. And being led, the team being led by Elena Abbott. <gasps> okay. And I want Agatha Harkness. This is why I was asking earlier about the like uh, school level who who's in charge of the schools. Okay. Agatha Harkness is the new headmaster of Strange Academy, and she's got the the faculty and students of Strange Academy under a spell. And Doctor Strange is like chained in the basement with magic chains, and she is going to go after this. Uh, Super super team of super magic ladies, and they're all gonna battle it out for the soul or something like that. <laughs> I could probably come up with a better plot, but I like the idea of throwing all those characters into a giant like I don't know. Make it an event. Make it a make it a six issue epic, written by uh, I don't know Scotty Young. There you go. I love that. That's, that's my idea. Uh, Chris, do you do you? Yeah, have a, uh... I am so ready for this question. <laughs> All right, go for it. Okay, so it is going to be a Batman team. Mm-hmm. I've even named the series. It's going to be called Batman and His Unusual Robins. <laughs> <laughs> so in this story, crossing Marvel and DC lines, his main Robin is going to be, as I've always wanted, this crossover Squirrel Girl. Because I want to see her friendship magic working on Bruce Wayne. I want (laughs) to see it. So she helps him assemble a team of Robins. But for some reason, the the like regular roster is out of commission. Uh, So she brings along with her Moon Girl, Kate Bishop, and uh, then bringing from DC Comics, he finally gets to adopt Billy Batson as he's always wanted. We know. Uh, not not Shazam, just Billy Batson. For some reason, he can't turn into Shazam in this. He's a kid. Uh, <laughs> uh, Jesse, Kid Flash Jesse from the multiverse comes in. Maps from Gotham yes. uh, Academy. <laughs> yeah, and finally, to really add some chaos, he adopts 
another dark-haired character who is an orphan, kind of, almost an orphan, orphan adjacent, Kid Loki. (laughs) Oh, cool. (laughs) So together, this incredibly chaotic team uh, has to go and face one of my all-time favorite villains that I think is ripe for a comeback in Batman world. That's right. Lord Deathman from the Batman manga. (laughs) (laughs) This, this would have to be drawn. Like this would have to be a a Ryan North written story. I feel like Um, just Mm -hmm. that whole energy, squirrel girl energy, but through a bat family lens. I want that. There you go. (laughs) I forgot what Lord Deathman looks like for a minute. Isn't he the greatest? (laughs) (laughs) Looking at him right now. Oh God! His 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 superpower is that he can play dead effectively. Like that's his whole power. Good power. He just he was on trial in the manga, and he just genuinely dies, quote unquote, on the stand. And they're like, "Well, gotta throw out the case." It's amazing. <laughs> he looks like Skeletor if he got like dressed at a spirit Halloween. Yes. That's yes. who's da- that's who's Damien's girlfriend works for. Yes, in the Robin book. Yes, yeah. it is. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Oh, it's so good. I love him. He looks like Johnny from Karate Kid. And <laughs> oh my god, he does. <laughs> he does. He totally does. Oh my does. god, he does. <laughs> Holy I love crap! Him. So Batman uh, and his unusual Robins. That's my team. I like it. I like it. <laughs> Uh, Aaron, do you have a team? I'm cooking something up here. <laughs> you need more time? Um, no, I'm just going to spit out the makings of what I have because, you know, I don't want to drag this out. Uh, I don't want to have performance <laughs> issues later trying to figure out how to come up with the last character. <laughs> so um, it's somehow... I'll let John get over it. <laughs> Do you need a little blue pill to finish your theme? I don't want to. Uh, you know, it's just to get me through the very last character. Um, so it was starting with a little. Okay, so here's where I was going. It was starting with a little Joe Mullen. And then throwing in a little Nubia from Nubia, the real one. Mm. A real one. And then throwing in some Miles Morales. Um, and then. I was working over to the, I can't remember it's the character's name, but from Excellence, the lead character. Oh. And, and having them sort of round out a team of some sort. Uh, <laughs> and then the villain would be MAGA. But that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> but, the villain would be who? Another, MAGA. But that's another. <laughs> oh, Jesus. It could, be that, it could be that lizard MAGA guy from the uh, Sam Wilson Captain America run. There we go. No, <laughs> it, it could be either. But, you know, it could be. I don't see this is this may be so niche. I don't know if anyone else has read the 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 black AF books and all that stuff. So there's like a, a series of sort of political, not political, but it's well, kind of political, but police state are, type villains there. OK, I was going to say they're plenty political in that book. Yeah. So that's kind of where I was going, but it didn't quite all gel just yet. All right. All right. I love it. I can see the potential. Yeah, it sounds great. Um, let's see, Bob, how about you? All right, look, uh, 
no one's going to find my picks unexpected, I guess. But I, I here's the thing: there are a lot of them, so I but you got to go big or go home, right? So I like to think of these things as you would a heist movie. You got to you got to fill the slots, you know. So you got to have a, yes. you got to have a money man. You got to have someone in charge who's got the, got the goods and whatever. So I think you pick founding Avenger Janet Van Dyne. Love it. You need a tactician, you need a leader to put all this stuff all together. So that's Carol Danvers, of course. Okay. Need someone for Intel, Barbara Gordon. Yes. You need a science bro. <laughs> Nadia Van Dyne. Yes. Now, this one I, I, I had I John, you're gonna you're gonna hurt me for this one, I think, but you need a stealth person. I just didn't know where Kitty Pride was. Is she dead? Does she have powers anymore? So I, I couldn't say Kitty. I would have ordinarily. Kitty's she's a com- badass now. Yeah, she's commanding the Marauder. Okay, but is oh she, does she have her old powers and everything else? Yes. Yeah. Well, then yeah. she uses the hell out uh, of them. I put her in here, but I didn't in this case. So I threw to the Dark Horse character Ghost, Eliza Cameron, but that Eric Luke did all the way back in the 90s, who literally is a ghost. We do need, <laughs> we need a tactful person, someone who can be diplomatic and, and create allies and such. And just as you used, Chris, I you got to throw Squirrel yes. Girl into there. Got I knew you'd have her too. Yep. You need, you need uh, emergency transport. So it's America Chavez. Yes. You got to have a couple of flyers because stuff needs it. And you might as well have a couple of powerhouses too. So Storm and Jane Foster, the mighty Thor. So good. Someone who fills all all of those uh, slots as well as a lot of extra stuff, but you got to have a veteran, so you need Susan Storm Richards. Yes. You got to have magic. So Zatanna is the only answer. Don't you gotta have her some... off. She will remind you that she goes by her maiden name now. <laughs> is Susan Storm she Richards? She said that in their previous history. She just goes by Susan Storm now. That's Ooh. okay. I will correct. Uh, you, you gotta have you gotta have a bruise. You gotta have some brute strength. And while you're at it, you might as well get some free legal advice. So we need She-Hulk. <laughs> and, and just in case Jen can't fix things, you're gonna need police liaisons because it gets weird in the world. So you gotta have Rowan Black from Black Magic and Renee Mont- Montoya. Yes. Now, as to villain and or villains, it would take some big onions to go against this group. So I, I'm I'm saying since we're melding universes, how about they go up against Darkseid and Thanos and then kick their butts? <laughs> Onions. Nice. onions. I did. I did like that. <laughs> it's a sports it's a ball. Big, big juicy onions. Onions, onions. onions so just waiting to explode. <clears throat> oh wow! Juicy, sweet onions. Sweet. Because <laughs> the rest of this episode on our OnlyFans account. <laughs> That's a big team, Bob. Like I, I love it. Go, go big or go home. It's a big team. I like it. <laughs> Oceans 17. But we know you only need Dorian Green to defeat Thanos and... Uh, Probably. Yeah. And the rest can just sit back. Anyone else. And have, 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 <laughs> have a night out. And, yeah. <laughs> have a nice little drink, you know. <laughs> Be a great group to have a drink with, too. Oh, my God. You're so right. <laughs> All right, John. It's time. We broke the cardinal rule of never follow Bob because he put so much more effort into this than I did. 
I just went with a team that I thought would be cool and deal with big stuff. So I went with Black Panther and his wife or ex-wife Storm nice. as the leader. Thor. Uh, I thought Power Girl and Orion would make a nice dynamic. Wow. And then I was going to round it out with Apollo and the Midnighter from the original Authority. Yes. Ooh. As they were in the original Authority, not as how they've been co-opted over the last mm-hmm. 25 years. Okay. Well, Steve Orlando had thoughts about that at FlameCon. Oh. Do tell. <sighs> yeah, he did. Anything oh, we should he know? Just, he, he just, no, he just, um, he got a lot of stuff for his depiction of them hmm. for not having them go straight into this relationship. This is when the whole New oh, 52 no, no. thingy. Um, and he felt like, no, no gay relationship ever works that way. No one meets and then they're suddenly in love and they're yeah. in love forever. He's like, so I put them on Grinder and everything else. I loved it so much. <laughs> no, I I actually thought Steve Orlando was the most yeah. back-to-basics version of the two characters. Yeah. I was talking more about when uh, Paul Levitz got his hands on that book and just neutered the oh, crap yeah. out of yeah, it. I love the Steve Orlando run with yeah, them. It's yeah. so good. Yeah, he said he got so much slack from some people. Well, that's and, bullshit. And wait, it's amazing. Well, here's the thing. In the community, he said he said that he was accused of turning them into sluts. <laughs> As he should. What's wrong with that? <laughs> Slut that era. Slut era. There you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, All right. Steve <laughs> Orlando, my personal friend, just, just to remind everyone, bought me a drink that one time. God, we have the the new. Hey, did you know we in- interviewed Karen Gillan? <laughs> I'm just never gonna let it go because my previous claim to fame was when Tom King called me basic, and this is better. So. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> All right, moving on to emails. This one comes from Brian from Ohio. Since Halloween is coming up. I was wondering if you have any spooky or scary comics that you must read or read during this time. This year, I plan on rereading Sentient by Jeff Lemire and or Beasts of Burden by Evan Dorkin. Okay, so uh, we usually this is like an annual question that we get asked uh, every year. And it's an awesome one because I feel like the recommendations change from year to year. I have a ton of recommendations. So should I go first or last? You should go first. Cause I don't have any, I don't read scary books like that. No. Okay. Either. I have a bunch too. So I will highly, highly recommend a series. It is finished called the autumnal. Uh, I talked about this, I believe either late last year or earlier this year. This is Daniel Krause, Christiane and Jason wordy. Um, I'll read you the blurb. It's super quick. Her estranged mother's death brings Kat Somerville back to Comfort Notch, New Hampshire, a hometown she can barely remember. Uh, And she and her daughter, Sybil, try to settle into their new life. Kat discovers something uh, home is best forgotten. This book is terrifying. It is so terrifying that uh, Amazon actually removed it from its sale list because it was deemed too scary. Um, I don't know if I'd take it that far, but it is really, really gripping, absolutely just chilling. And it's, if you want that autumn vibe, it's a lot to do with nature 
and how the leaves fall, where they fall, and what they fall onto uh, in this book. It's great. Uh, Michael uh, Conrad and Noah Bailey's Double Walker. I talked about this last year during the awards. Uh, This is an absolutely spectacular skinwalker story. Truly terrifying. Read it. It's it's incredible. Uh, The plot from Michael Morchi and uh, Tim Daniel and Josh Hickson on art. Uh, Again, just like terrifying swamp creatures. If you like creature feature movies, the plot is definitely something you're going to want to check out. If you want something a little bit more lighthearted for the season, um, I read this earlier in the year. It's called The Ghoul Next Door from Cullen Bunn and Kat Farris. It is a uh, family-friendly graphic novel. There are now two volumes of it. Uh, And it's basically just about a boy befriending a ghoul from his local cemetery and the shenanigans that they get up to. Uh, It's very heartwarming (laughs) and it's very funny. Um, House of Penance. House of Penance from Tomasi. uh, One of my all-time favorite collections. Absolutely just chill you to the bone. Harrow County, of course, is always a great one around this time of year. John Constantine Hellblazer, the Simon Spurrier series. uh, That's one through 12. The Gone Too Soon John Constantine series, as I like to call it. Uh, If you're in the mood for something like a uh, anthology style, Tales from the Cryptish kind of thing, definitely check out the Silver Coin from Image. Um, I'm going to leave this other one for Bob because I know he's going to mention it. Uh, the Me You Love in the Dark is a great recommendation, and I'm just going to rattle off these other ones really quick. Redlands from Jordi Belair and Vanessa Del Rey. Rachel Rising from Terry Moore is a spectacular Halloween read. Gideon Falls from Jeff Lemire and Andrea Sorrentino. Infidel from uh, Rom V and Aaron Campbell. Blue and Green from Rom V and, and uh, Anand Arkay. And last, uh, sorry, second to last, I have Beauty, which I don't know if anybody's thought about this series in a while, but it's from Jeremy Hahn and Jason A. Hurley. And it's basically modern society is obsessed with outward beauty. Uh, and what could you what could you do if you no longer had to age? Um, and all the physical horrors that come with that and the medication that makes it happen um, that changes the city and everybody gets kind of weird and yeah. it's like cop stories revolving around horror and body image. And it's it the first I've read the first three volumes and they were fantastic. And I'm thinking about going back to read the rest. Uh, And last but not least from Scott Snyder and Jacques is uh, the series witches, which was also very spooky. So uh, I like scary comics. Yeah. So there you go. Um, I'm curious, Bob, what do you have? Well, this time of year, I do tend to start to pull out horror movies and horror comics and so on. So on the older front, always will go through my volumes of the original EC comics, Tales from the Crypt, Vault of Horror, Mm. just to catch some old-fashioned highlights. Marv Wolfman, Gene Colan's Tomb of Dracula, probably the greatest comic series about a villain ever. On the newer front, though, I just pulled out today, even before I saw this question, uh, Miskatonic. It came out oh, from yes. Aftershock a year ago by Mark Sable and Giorgio Pontrelli, which if you're a Lovecraft fan, it yes. ties together all sorts of Lovecraftian stories into 
I mean, the basic framework is the shadow over Innsmouth, but we get into everything else. It was really, really well done. And there's even a follow-up oversized uh, finale special. I think the book Steve is probably referring to that he was leaving for me would be Gail Simone's Clean Room. That's the one. One of the creepiest things I have ever read, ever. It'll blow your mind issue after issue. Brilliant art by John Davis Hunt initially, and then uh, Walter Giovanna uh, a little later on. And just because we don't want to live out, leave out the younger folks either, I will heartily recommend from our friend Stephanie Cook and art by Marie Costa, Paranorthern and the Chaos Bunny yes. Apocalypse. So good. <laughs> Which, and I am definitely, I don't know, I don't think we've talked about this on the show. I am definitely Silas, by the way. I'm the Pumpkinhead Kid. Oh, yeah. The Krabby Pumpkinhead Kid. I can see that. I love it. Yeah. So give me, Do you give, rant about pumpkin spice season two? No, I, I, I rant about everything else. So I, I read Silas <laughs> and he, I just, just instantly, instantly gravitate to it. I've given this as a gift to a number of people, uh, younger readers and grownups, and everyone just absolutely loves it. So if you've got younger readers in your house, Paranorthern, Chaos Bunny, a Hopcalypse is right for them. Brilliant. Aaron, what do you got? Anything? Uh, let me think. <laughs> Don't let me put you out. <laughs> I really don't have anything. I'm sorry. I just That's okay. I, I really you don't have the to. only thing that did pop up, you I think you said the one because I was scrolling. I'm like, well what what have I read that might be similar, but no, might be might fit that category. I don't read that, so I'm sorry. Okay. John, how about you? I'm kind of like Aaron. I don't really read a lot. I would say The Passageway by Lemire and Sorrentino. Oh, yeah. Uh, there you came go. Out that, that, uh, that was a graphic novel. It came out last or earlier this year. And then The 10,000 Fl- uh, Feathers just started. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously you can go back and read Gideon Falls, which yeah. is a phenomenally creepy series. And then Bob said it. If you want some classic horror, just go read uh, Tomb of Dracula, which is just a fantastic series. I should read that. Oh, yeah. I think the only one oh, that yeah. I, that you guys read said that I actually read was the Me You Love in the Dark. Oh, what about Scott Snyder's The Wake? There you go. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. There you go. The Wake. Scott Snyder's The Wake. I'm all good now. <laughs> you had to get <laughs> one in there. <laughs> I had to get one in there. There you go. All right, uh, Chris. How about you? Yeah, so I have some. I've kind of split them into actually spooky versus Halloween vibes that are all age comics. Um, so in a full disclosure, this is one of my best friends who wrote this, but I think I would have loved it anyway. Uh, Beetle and the Hollow Bones by Eliza Lane is an award-winning queer, all-ages, Halloween-focused graphic novel that is so good. And the second one is is in the works. I've seen some panels of it. Ooh. It's going to be amazing. Um, Beetle and the Hollow Bones is like very – it feels like you're drinking pumpkin spice latte. Like it feels <laughs> like – wearing a scarf and the leaves are falling. It's just gets you in that Halloween place right away. It's amazingly cute. It is about a, uh, two, um, sapphic magic users who have to help a non-binary ghost escape a haunted mall. And the mall may actually be the mall from my hometown. So I get very nostalgic when I see it. Um, yes. Yeah. This is one of my best friends. We grew, we, grew up very close to each other. We actually didn't meet until we were adults, but we grew up just down the street from each other. Um, it's great. It's fully wonderful and uh, Stonewall award winning. So, you know, amazing. 
Um, the other one that has a very similar vibe, also all ages, is Pumpkinheads by uh, Rainbow Rowell. Love oh, yeah. that book. Read that one. Yeah. Love Pumpkinheads. That's such a great one to get you in that fall spirit. Uh, and then like Gotham Academy. You can't go wrong with reading Gotham Academy this time of year. It's all that kind of like ghostly hauntings, vampires, kids exploring things, stuff you want mm-hmm. from an all age Halloween comic. Uh, on the actually spooky side, I recommend Squad by Maggie Tukuda uh, Hall, which is a revenge fantasy werewolf story like Jennifer's Body by way of Teen Wolf. Okay. <laughs> it is it is really, really good. It is basically about uh, these women werewolves who get together to take out men who have wronged them and good for them. And uh, I also recommend Mary by Bria Grant. This book is uh, the descendant of Mary Shelley, who gets an object that is possessed by the spirit of Mary Shelley. And she makes spends her time fixing up the various wounds of the cryptids and ghouls that come her way. It is really fun and very cute. And uh, finally, Hex Wives by Ben Blacker. I love oh, this yeah. one. Yeah, remember that, that one? Yes. Oh, God, it's so good. It also falls in the category of Halloween stories about women getting revenge. And that's my favorite genre to watch at Halloween, actually. <laughs> so um, love it. Can't say enough about it. There's a ton of webtoons I could say, but I've honestly been reviewing them on the show for the last few weeks. So, you know, listen to my lightning rounds for webtoons <laughs> reviews. <laughs> that's all I've been reading right now is Halloween books. Nice. Well done, everybody. Good job. We did it, team. We did it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We got one more email before we talk about the books that we're going to be picking up this week. Uh, This also comes from Brian. Hi, all. Hope you all are doing well. Happy spooky season and best part of the year. Damn right. Uh, I have been really busy and honestly not feeling well lately. Sorry to hear that. Uh, So I will make this quick. Thank you for reading and taking my quiz a few weeks ago. Thank you for sending it in. That was a ton of fun. Uh, I was smiling from ear to ear while you were uh, trying to answer my questions. Congratulations to Bob for getting the most points. Thank you. I just finished a binge read of the main Hellboy title and loved it, unsurprisingly. Can't wait to dive into BPRD and the other side series. No question uh, why this is considered a legendary property. Though, in my opinion, despite the movies having been good mostly, it needs to actually be live action or an animated show. Jumping into another legendary series, Love and Rockets, and have to say, the first three quarters of the first volume of the Jaime stuff uh, is a slog of a read, but it gets good uh, fast afterwards and just keeps getting better. The Gilbert stuff, uh, Polymar, is constantly good, yet also consistently horny. (laughs) Have you all read this series? Um, does, has anybody read Love and Rockets at all around the table? Not enough to say I, I have. have. Okay. No, I have not. Yeah. No. Nope. Bob, you may remember this title. Right before we started recording, I ran downstairs and I grabbed a book. Do you remember a book that uh, Bobby and I talked about all those years ago called The Love Bunglers? No. Nope. Okay. That is a um, graphic novel with characters from Love and Rockets featured in it. I don't know. Okay, if it's- now I know. Yes, I do know what you were talking about. Yes. Yeah, this is like year one, maybe yeah. year two of talking comics, but way, way, way back when 
Uh, that was the first and probably only time that I dipped my toe into the Love and Rockets uh, pool, but I quite liked it. And I think, I think if I had easy access to Love and Rockets, it might be something that I, I pick up and start, but not before I go back and finish Strangers in Paradise uh, from Terry Moore, because I eventually got to make my way back to that. Um, but no, Love and Rockets, I think, has unfortunately escaped uh, a lot of us here uh, at the show, but maybe that'll change. Uh, last but not least of this email, did anyone pick up uh, and read Hell is a Squared Circle this week? It's written by Chris Condon uh, of That Texas Blood fame and is literally a wrestling noir. It's a little pricey, but it's a really good read, especially if you're a trade paperback fan. I'm not a huge wrestling fan and still loved it. Uh, so please pick it up if you're interested. I would like to hear what you all think about it. Uh, that's it. Thanks. Uh, thank you. As always, stay spooky, Brian. Hell is a squared circle. I have not read it, but you have me intrigued. I already bought it off this email. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> you got you, me. At, you got me at, at pro wrestling and noir. That Texas blood. I haven't read it yet. I bought it this just like before we went on the air. Um, How much? But I'll was let it? you know. Like seven ninety nine. Oh come on, that's fine. I could do that. <laughs> I would re- look after do a power bomb. Like I'm. Oh I am god, all, that book is amazing. I'm so open to reading more wrestling comics. I don't like wrestling. I don't watch wrestling. I left wrestling behind after like my younger years, like after the days of the Ultimate Warrior and stuff like that. But um, I, look, I you got me on the creative team. And like I said, wrestling is hot right now in the old uh, say household with do a power bomb. So who knows? Maybe I'll pick this up and give it a shot. Uh, John, if you read it, definitely report back to me and let me know what you think. I will. I'm sure I'll get to it by this week sometime. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, uh, Brian, for sending in the emails. That's all we have time for this week. But uh, maybe we'll read some more next week. If you want to send us an email, uh, podcast at TalkingComicBooks.com is the email address. Uh, Or you can tweet us at TalkingComics on Twitter to ask us questions, and we will answer them on the show. Let's talk about the books that we're looking forward to this week. Bob, what are you picking up? Poison Ivy 5. Cap Sentinel, Mm -hmm. number five. Jane Foster, number five. And delayed from last week, Image, number six, with the sequel to The Pro by Amanda Condor and Jimmy Palmiotti and Garth Ennis. Sweet. Uh, Aaron, what are you maybe possibly picking up? (laughs) All the X stuff. Uh, so dark crisis dark crisis on infinite earth five they need to just shorten that anyway uh x-men red marauder seven uh axe x-men number one which i feel like it's not but for some reason it is i don't know i feel like there's something i missed anyway jane foster and the mighty thor uh multiversity teen justice five the dead lucky comes out i think that's number three Mm -hmm. uh ordinary gods number nine uh, I'm, I'm really hoping they're about to wrap this up. Uh, and the Golden Rage, number three. Oh, are you reading the Golden Rage? Yeah, I read it. Do you like it? Yeah, I do. I, all you had to say was Golden Girls, and I was like, <laughs> all right. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see. They get they, you. You get. I, I can ride it out for certain things, but then you got to actually come up with a really good story. So far, so good, though. All right. 
that's my comment for uh, the uh, ordinary gods. Ooh. Shots fired, folks. Shots fired. <laughs> John, did I ask you for your list yet? No. All right, um, well. Batman 128, Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths number five. <laughs> Uh, I am Batman 13, uh, Sword of Azrael number three, um, Axe, X-Men number one. I think you're thinking because they just did Axe Avengers number one last week, <laughs> which is the Didn't same. They do one, though? Didn't they do an X-Men? No, they did Death of the Mutants, which is not. Oh, yeah. there you go. <laughs> there so you much go. X stuff. That's um, it. Captain America, Sentinel of Liberty number five, Marauders number seven, Rogue Sun number five, that Texas Blood 18. I think I'm going to try Junkyard Joe, uh, which is Jeff Johns and Gary Frank, part of their Geiger universe. And then Wes Craig has Kaya number one coming out. But I'm really excited because Miracle Man number zero is oh. is hitting. And they're going to finally do the Silver Age with uh, Neil Gaiman and Mark Buckingham. And they're going to do an omnibus of the whole series. So Marvel is finally getting their shit together and doing Mar- <laughs> Miracle Man properly. <laughs> Your shit together. Finally. Nice. Uh, Chris, have you, uh, you got to pick anything up or are you just going to webtoon it? Probably just webtoon it, but I got to shout out that Wayne Family Adventures is back for season two. Yeah. So that's what I'm going to be reading. <laughs> also, that first issue had Titus in it. Like they were going to call me out specifically by having the other dog who I couldn't remember the name of. <laughs> <laughs> They'll really call you out when Astro they- makes a guest spot. <laughs> <laughs> His boy, all right. right. Uh, for me, I've got Batman number 128, Gotham City Year One number one, Poison Ivy number five, Jane Foster and the Mighty Thor number five, X-Men Red number seven. I am back on the X train. I didn't make it a part of my lightning round, but I read X-Men one through six. Um, over the past couple of days, and I'm I'm right back into it. I'm really enjoying <laughs> it. It's it's good stuff. Those you don't hear. Look, look. Here's the Every thing. I must think I'm out. No, no, no. We sucked him back in, Aaron. We sucked him. <laughs> Here was my problem. Here was my problem, and this is what I needed. When I was doing like the, the initial relaunch of the X Men stuff, I was buying literally everything, everything that was coming out. That whole checklist, I had it all. And it was so expensive and so daunting. It was a lot of fun, but eventually steam went out of the engine and I just really couldn't afford it anymore. Just reading the X-Men book. I haven't dabbled in red yet, but I will. Um, But just reading that X book, there is a clear through line from issue to issue to issue. I don't know if that's going to change, but I don't feel like I'm missing anything by reading that main book. Good and stuff, that, man. that was Good my stuff. biggest fear was that I would be missing out on all kinds of things. And it doesn't read that way. It doesn't feel that way. So I'm very pleased with just reading the two series, the, the, the red and the X-Men stuff. So, yeah. you know, yeah. just as a testament to how the X universe has changed and not to go back into lightning rounds or anything, but I tried to read that Gambit book. I think it was Chris Claremont's Gambit book that he's putting out now. And it's done in the, in theory, it's done in the old universe. Mm-hmm. I couldn't get through it. No, that's like his X Men Legends, or he did. Yeah, he, yeah. I no, couldn't no get go. through it because I felt like it was just 
a step back, and I hate to say it for Chris Claremont. Don't get me wrong. I don't you know, take joy in saying it, but I just felt like in terms of the urgency and, and the, the importance of mutants, it was a step back, and I couldn't, I couldn't get into it. So, yeah, I think – yeah, it doesn't shock me that they sucked you back in. They 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 have a tone that they have set, and now it's just become it's become the norm. It's become the thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. I'm very interested in the Ben Urich stuff and him kind of grilling Cyclops about the resurrection stuff. I'm I'm excited <laughs> to see where that goes. Oh yeah, <laughs> you just wait. Well, I'll be I'll be reading more right after we wrap up here. So. Uh, other books on my list, Golden Rage number three, uh, Wes Craig of uh, Deadly Class fame has a brand new book coming out called Kea. Uh, so mm-hmm. that's from Image, Kea number one. I'm going to check out. Uh, I didn't make it a part of my lightning round, but Joey, if you're listening, I did read uh, Survival Street numbers one and two. <laughs> and like, there wasn't a whole lot more that I could say about it. I re-listened to that portion of the podcast yesterday and he nailed it. It is a lot of fun. It is totally ridiculous. And I, it's it's a Steve book. It's right up my alley. I'm going to pick up number three this week. Uh, and finally, that Texas Blood number 18 is also on my list because, of course, it is. Uh, and that's it. That's it. Uh, does anybody have any closing statements or anything they'd like to share before we get out of here? Nope. The- the most common ship in the G.I. Joe fanfic is Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow. So. Well, they're like brothers. That's yeah. yeah. Are they literally brothers? Because they're, they're it's all, blood brothers. It's all fair and love and fanfic. We <laughs> mm, had another category of porn. <laughs> blood brothers. Ooh. <laughs> Do they leave the masks on or off? I assume oh, it's got to be on, right? Oh. Yeah. It's gotta be. Uh, How do you know it is who you think it is? So, (laughs) all right. Oh, they have memorized every line of each other's body, Aaron. (laughs) Another category. See everyone at NYCC, or hopefully. So, if you see us, you know. I'd like to trace the scars. Stay a safe distance and say hi. Yeah, one more time. What um, what what night are you thinking about uh, getting together? Saturday. Okay. Saturday at the Algonquin? 7.30-ish, yes. Okay. Unless we change it. It'll be on the social media people's social media if we yeah, change it a little bit. <laughs> we'll put um, AKA, not on the interwebs. Yeah, Check your yeah and if you, guys, if you guys need anything <laughs> out there, just put it in the chat and um, either myself or Bronwyn or, or whoever, we can update the Twitter feed to let everybody know where you're going to be at, or if there are any delays or anything like that. Uh, I hope that you all have a very safe and wonderful, wonderful time. I really, really wish that we could be there. Um, But I am so, so happy that you're all getting together. And if you happen to go near the peach Momoko booth, (laughs) you know what to do. What are you looking for? I'll take a picture and send it to you. Yeah, just let me know what she's got. Like, of Aaron buying all this stuff for us. I'll take a I'll take a, a signed a signed print something. Oh, just, be like, hey Steve, she's got really good shit. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> to Aaron J. Amos, my favorite talking comic. That'd be great. Steve, we'll, we'll ease the pain of not being there. We should do like a uh, a drunk Morbius watch party or something on that day. 
Oh, I wish. We're going to be in Ottawa Wouldn't for just Canadian a Thanksgiving. <laughs> What's that? Would you, what did you say? Wouldn't that just be a Morbius watch party? I mean, it's the oh. only way to watch it. <laughs> well, you you clowns might be at New York City Comic Con, but I might have my my uh, interview that I can't talk about yet oh. this coming weekend. Maybe. <laughs> I still haven't gotten the confirmation email. I'm starting to get nervous. Oh, no. We'll see. We'll see. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, that's just nature of the job or whatever. I don't know. It's okay. I, I'll it's cry okay. about it. <laughs> I'll cry about it. If I if I don't end up doing it, I'll reveal who it was, and then you'll all understand why I was so sad. I am special. But we'll see. I still got a couple days. I still got a couple days for them to get back. They they, they like Love to it. drag their asses. It's very hard to coordinate these things. Um. But uh, yeah, so New York City Comic Con happening. Talking Comics will be there. Uh, definitely hit us up. Check us out. Uh, we've reached the end of this week's edition of the Talking Comics podcast. As always, you can send us your comments or questions through our email podcast at talkingcomicbooks.com. We are also on Twitter at Talking Comics. Bob, where can our listeners find you? Old fashioned email, Bob Ryer at talkingcomicbooks.com. Aaron. Uh, New York Comic Con, October 16th. <laughs> at Aaron J. Amos. John. At John P. Burkle. Chris. You can find me on Twitter at The Myth of Psyche. Uh, you can also find me co hosting Thirsty on Tune. And we're back to recording regularly, so you will hear from us very soon. Um, you can also find me co hosting Gotham Outsiders, uh, where we're doing all of our regularly scheduled episodes and our special mini series where I teach psychology through Batman. I'm having a blast with it, so please come over. <laughs> Um, and you can find me at my pen name on Twitter at Cooper Cal writes where I am working on submitting all kinds of queer goodness for your reading pleasure. Fantastic. Joey Braccino is at Joey Braccino on Twitter. I am at dead underscore anchorus online. Uh, in the meantime, thank you all for listening. Be excellent to each other. And until next time on the talking comics podcast to be, continued.